that um that Michael Decon. Michael Decon. All right, go, go. In five, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it. In five, four. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a. I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. Right. Fucking thing sucks. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. End of day. The freedom of speech is being taken away. They can't. They die. I do you believe in heaven? Whatever. If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. That's the great question. What is the long-term effect of much information? One of them. Live in a society now where it hurts first. Here. Get it out there. We don't care who it hurts. We don't care who it hurts. We don't care if it's true. Just say it. Sell it. Anything you practice, you'll get good at. Including, including in, was it 1997, Michael? And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I'm not a right-wing wacko or a convicted felon. I look forward to once again serve you those conscious coma-inducing vibrations. First-time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now on the TuneIn radio app. Search End of Days or go to michaeldeacon.com. If you care to interact with me or other listeners, go there now. There is a chat room. Go and talk to other great listeners just like yourself. This is a call-in show. Please feel free to call in at number 760-332-8920. I invite you all to call in with your opinions. They're always needed to hear. My guest tonight is John Lear. John is a retired airline captain and former CIA pilot, as well as the son of the famous inventor of the Lear jet. John, of course, has appeared on the program many, many, many moons ago. I've been looking forward to this one for a while. Mr. Lear has flown missions worldwide for the CIA and other government agencies. A former Nevada state senator candidate, he is the son of William P. Lear, designer of the Lear Jet, and of course, the A-Track Stereo. Pretty wild stuff. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back. I missed you. Thanks for being here with me tonight. Always fun. I believe John is patiently waiting. Let's see if he's around. Let's get him in here. John Lear. John, how are you? I'm alive. Perfect answer. Can, can you hear me loud and clear, sir? Yes, loud and clear. Excellent. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, John? Just a brief, brief breakdown here. Uh, my father was uh, Bill Lear, who developed the Learjet. Uh, I wanted to be a pilot, and uh, mostly what I did for 35 years was fly airplanes for different airlines and different companies, and I retired in uh, 2001 at age 60, which was the mandatory retirement age then. It's now 65. May go to 67. Uh, but uh, that's about it. And when did this fascination for UFOs begin for you, John? 
I'd always been interested, but uh, because of the information I read, there was nothing to it. And then in 1985, there was a reunion here in Las Vegas of pilots who flew in Southeast Asia, and I ran into a friend of mine uh, and asked him where he'd been flying, and uh, he said uh, I was at uh, in England at Bentwaters Air Force Base, and I said, oh, that's supposedly where that uh, UFO landed. He said, no, not supposedly, it did. He said, I didn't see it because I was confined to quarters, <clears throat> but uh, I know a lot of my friends did. And I said, you mean this stuff is true? about flying saucer he says oh absolutely and that's what started everything very nice and john i i've also you know i didn't want to just primarily talk about ufos or anything like that I, I kind of just wanted to talk about everything here on this program and since there's been nothing but chaos here in 2017 i thought i could just talk to you a little bit about some of the things that's that have been going on and i'm not sure if you've been paying too much attention but uh, this year in 2017, the big word has been disclosure. I'm not sure if uh, you are up to date with the UFO community right now. Yes, I am up to date at the very top there. What do you think about Mr. Tom DeLong? Uh, from what I've heard, it's nuts. There's no possible way that humans are going to go anywhere other than maybe a few local planets, Mars, um, the moon. But... They're not going to go like Tom DeLonge says. Yeah, I'm not exactly very high on Mr. Tom DeLonge. I've, I've heard him on previous interviews before, and I don't think he should be someone to try to talk about these sort of things, to be honest with you. He doesn't exactly seem that knowledgeable, to be honest. Yeah, I haven't heard him. I talked to some people today who filled me in on uh, what his his plans were, but... Anybody that's looking for donations, I kind of look at a little suspect. Exactly. John, I'm glad you said that because apparently he he was already born on third base. His father, very wealthy, of course, and he himself in his own right, very wealthy. He is a musician. Some would say a talented musician. I'm not quite sure, but he's made plenty of money. I, I just think it's a little strange that he would ask the general public for for money when he has resources that me and you don't have. I think he could easily come up with the money uh, playing shows and, or doing something along those lines. My thoughts, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you are definitely up to date with, with that and, and know know the strangeness behind all of this. It's, it's quite strange that the UFO community would look to him to try to spread any kind of awareness. It's just another... Um, just another publicity stunt, the way I see it. Absolutely. Now, John, how do you feel about our president at, right now in this current state? Where do you stand? I stand behind the president because he's shaking things up. And the alternative uh, was that we were going to go along and, and uh, business as usual and uh, all the corruptness that was in the government uh, was going to be the same as before. So while I disagree with some of the things that Trump is doing, I think that uh, he's the best answer for right now. I'm going to have to agree with you. Can you imagine if Hillary was our president right now? That would be a disaster. <laughs> I'm going to have to agree with you. For a long time, many people in the UFO community were kind of pandering 
for Hillary to be elected because they saw her parading around with some sort of UFO-related book, and to them, they thought that was a sign, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Oh, yes. Where do you stand on the whole North Korea incident right now? We we seem to just keep going back and forth with, with the folks down there, and... I don't know exactly where that's going to lead us to. Well, here's the deal on North Korea. There's no possibility that they could create a threat that we, we could not handle. The military has almost a trillion-dollar budget, and what they want to do is get more money for more uh, projects, and their problem is they're trying to find an enemy. Now, we tried to create an enemy with uh, Iraq, uh, and that's been largely successful. We tried to commit, uh, tried to uh, create an enemy in Afghanistan. We made a mistake there, but the whole thing about Afghanistan was uh, the secret government needs money, and we have control of the northeast portion of Afghanistan. That uh, that part that sticks out into uh, uh, Uzbekistan, and that whole area is poppy growing, and it's suited perfectly for poppy growing because it's at the right altitude, which is uh, four to eight thousand feet. It's the right temperature, which is uh, uh, cool, and uh, the government needs to promote uh, uh, the, the uh, poppy distribution. Uh, in order to uh, create more money. They just need more money. Uh, so I had a friend that flew B-1s in Afghanistan, and we were I was talking about this with him, and he said, well, that explains it. And I said, explains what? He said, well, that whole northeast portion of Afghanistan was no fly. In other words, we couldn't uh, bomb, we couldn't fly there, and I didn't understand why. He said, but if that's the poppy-growing capital, uh, then that explains why we were not allowed to bomb there. Now, the uh, production of uh, of, uh, production of poppies in uh, before we went to Afghanistan was uh, 5% of the world product. Now, it's 98% of the world distribution. So that tells me that uh, we're in there big time and strictly for the growth and distribution of uh, the products that uh, right. that come with poppy. And it seems like we're not going to get out of there anytime soon. No, no. we uh, It's a cash cow. We, uh, we're we going to be there for a long time. That's so sad. We, we've been there for so long. Are we always going to be at war with, with these countries out there? Absolutely. This is a war, this is a war-based planet. Uh, it will never be anything else. And as long as the uh, as long as the secret government and the military are in control, uh, their big thing is to find uh, uh, find an enemy. Now, as far as North Korea, there's no way that uh, uh, they could harm us. We have the ultimate weapons. We have 15 orbiting weapons of mass destruction uh, used for one was Murad building where they only used it at half power. The next one was the uh, World Trade Center. They used it full power, and uh, it destroyed the World Trade Center 1 and 2, and uh, the Building 7, 
And then the Shanksville was uh, a scam. It never happened. There was no crash there. And the reason I say that is because the airplane that was supposedly crashed there, uh, like all new airplanes, has a system called ACARS, A-C-A-R-S. And what that system does, it's not going to be able to control by the pilot. What that does is it sends information to a satellite and to the different companies. For instance, if the airplane was made by Boeing, uh, Boeing gets information. If the engines are Rolls-Royce, it goes to Rolls-Royce. But the information it sends is where the plane is, um, what the uh, speed is, uh, and engines, uh, temperature, uh, RPM, uh, N1, N2, and all that. And it's just a brief bunch of information that's always sent while that airplane is in the air, and after Shanksville, that information was transmitted for four hours, which is about the time it would take the airplane to fly back to Groom Lake, which is pretty much the center of everything that's going on. Yeah, lots of activity going on out out, uh, near Area 51 from what I have been told. And by the way, James Fetzer here, live and direct with us, and he's a big fan of yours, John. Uh, James, what's going on? Oh. <laughs> there you go. You're, you're a magnificent human being, and I so admire you. And of course, you're exactly right. As you would know, as our premier American pilot, perhaps the greatest pilot in, in the history of the world, uh, the ACARS was used by pilots for 9 11 Truth to track Flight 93 and discover that it was over Champaign Urbana, Illinois, after it had purportedly crashed in Shanksville and also to track Flight 175 and determine it was over Harrisburg and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, long after it had allegedly hit the South Tower, I obtained FAA registration records that showed that the planes used for those flights were, of course, uh, the same plane could be used for many different flights today from Tampa to Chicago, tomorrow from New York to San Francisco, were not uh, deregistered or formally taken out of service until 28 September 2005, which since uh, flights 11 and 77 were not even in the air, according to the Bureau of Transportation Statistics records, which had did not have them listed, how can planes that weren't even in the air have crashed on 9-11? And how can planes that crashed on 9-11 have still been in the air four years later? Right. Of, of course, uh, half a dozen or more of these uh, pilots of Michael turned up alive and well and made contact with the British press the following day as as David Ray Griffin makes his very first point in his magisterial the 9-11 Commission report, omissions and distortions. Uh, John, of course, says he may have already reported, gave a, a masterful uh, affidavit for a, a 9-11 lawsuit in New York in which he explained that it was aerodynamically impossible for Boeing 767s to fly at the speed that, uh, that is reflected in these videos, so we know something was terribly wrong. And, of course, that it was a physical impossibility for them to have entered those massive 500,000-ton steel and concrete structures, given their design, where the uh, purported Flight 11, whatever was simulating, was intersecting with seven different floors. Flight 175 with eight, where each of the floors consisted of a steel truss connected at one end to the core columns, at the other to the massive external steel support columns and filled with four to eight inches of concrete. Because the buildings are 208 feet on a side, that meant each of the floors represented an acre of concrete on a steel truss. 
as John can affirm, we know what happens when a commercial carrier or other plane in flight encounters a small bird weighing a few ounces. Just imagine a carrier encountering a, a, an acre of concrete on a steel truss. It would have been obliterated. And had those been real planes, they would have crumpled external to the building. Uh, their parts, their bodies, their wings, tail, seats, luggage would have fallen to the ground. We have, in fact, photographs of the ground, the roadway, the sidewalks beneath those facades, and they're completely bereft of any airplane parts. We do have an engine that was planted at the intersection of Church and Murray that was an antiquated engine no longer in service, where Jack White, a legendary photo and film analyst uh, with whom I collaborated on uh, JFK and many other issues, discovered Fox News footage of a white van at the intersection where uh, four or five men wearing FBI vests were unloading something heavy. It's sitting on the sidewalk. It's beneath a steel scaffolding and a canopy. Had anything that massive hit at high velocity, it would have done massive destruction to the sidewalk, which is completely undamaged. And they even left behind a dolly, which they appear to have used in, in moving it into position. I'm glad I don't have to update you, Jim, but I knew I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a delight being here with you, John. I just got to say, when Michael told me that you're going to be on, I was so glad to be able to join you. That's great. Oh, yes. You know, one thing I did notice about 9-11, well, just, just the recent, just recently that just gone by here, during September, of course, I, I noticed there was not a lot of emphasis about standing together, staying strong. Uh, nothing of, of that nature existed this time around, like previous years, we were kind of bombarded with all sorts of advertisements about standing together and being strong. Um, this year, we didn't have we didn't have any of that really. Well, it's probably you know, one of the that's... things that uh, uh, people don't know is that when they fired that weapon from orbit, it was the first time they tried it at full power, and of course, it destroyed everything. And uh, several months later, when they started to rebuild, I think the uh, uh, the uh, Deutsche Bank was the first one they started to rebuild, uh, they would get the steel and concrete up, and soon after it would start to disintegrate. So what happened is whatever the specifics of the, the direct energy weapon was, when they when they released the trigger, it still went on. So what they had to do is make uh, these uh, reflecting pools where World Trade Center 1 and 2 uh, stood uh, because water was the only thing that uh, that could be there and not, not just be disintegrated, and uh, that's why they put the reflecting pools there. They may, they may have used uh, directed energy weapons, as John is suggesting. We have found that the... Uh, U.S. Geological Survey conducted dust studies from 35 locations in Manhattan and discovered a host of elements that, that would not have been present had this not been a, a, a nuclear event. So it may be that they combine methodologies. We have barium and strontium, thorium and uranium, tritium, uh, uh, lithium, lanthanum. I mean, some of these only exist in radioactive form. And, of course, we did have this massive molten metal that was uh, there until the 1st of December, which required incredibly high heat. I mean, there's no question whatsoever that this was not done by the impact of jet planes. Uh, jet fuel uh, would not have burned long enough or hot enough. 
to cause uh, any uh, steel to weaken, uh, much less melt. Uh, in fact, the building's uh, steel structure function is enormous heat sink. Underwriters Laboratories had certified the steel used in the building to 2,000 degrees for three to four hours. Uh, the South Tower, we only had these very modest fires for about an hour. In the North, about an hour and a half, and their temperature was dramatically less than what could possibly have made any effect on the steel. And while we witnessed the buildings blowing apart in every direction from the top down and being converted into millions of cubic yards of very fine dust, when it's done in their footprints, there is nothing, no stack of debris, striking contrast to Building 7, which, of course, was a 47-story structure that came down at 520, about seven hours after the destruction of, of the North Tower had occurred, uh, where it, too, uh, had only extremely modest fires. In fact, it's, it's a classic example of a controlled demolition. All the floors are coming down at the same time. They're not blowing apart. The building isn't being converted into cubic yards of, of dust. And when it's over, there's the, the typical outcome of a controlled demolition, namely a stack of debris equal to approximately 12% of the height of the original, or in that case, five and a half floors. Had there been a collapse of the Twin Towers, you would have had, you know, 12% of 110 floors, which would have been about 13 and a half or 14 floors, but there was nothing there. In fact, I had uh, uh, Father Frank Morales from St. Mark's Episcopal Church in the vicinity who was a first responder on my own radio shows twice, and on both occasions he explained how those buildings were destroyed to or even below ground level. Yes, and... Uh... What uh, what happened with Building 7 and the reason it happened uh, seven hours later was there was supposed to be an airplane crash into Building 7 or uh, supposedly crash. Uh, they, they were all holograms. Uh, but whatever they had was for some reason not operational. It broke or for some reason they couldn't use it. And so they waited seven hours and, and they said, well, what are we going to do? And they said, well... I guess we can just uh, destroy it anyway, and maybe people will be dumb enough to think that, you know, that it just happened like that. This is wild stuff, by the way. Well, you know, Larry Zilberstein actually gave an interview to PBS in which he explained that he'd been in a conversation with the ERR. He gave this verbal pause, fire commander, which I interpret to mean he knew this guy under another designation as well. And that there'd been so much death and devastation, perhaps the best thing to do was to pull it, which, of course, is a construction term for bringing down by controlled demolition. He said they made the decision to pull, and we watched it come down. Uh, Barry Jennings, by the way, who is from the New York Emergency Management uh, uh, Unit, uh, John, was in the building, in Building 7. He went there because uh, Rudy Giuliani had his own command and control center, two floors with their own air and water. Right. When he got when he got up there, he found uh, half-eaten sandwiches, still steaming cups of coffee. A fireman came along and said, we got to get you out of here. Explosions were going on while he was inside the building. A stairwell was blown out from under him. At one point, he felt himself stepping over bodies. He couldn't see them, but he could feel them when he got out. He was interviewed. You can still find his interviews online and explain what he'd been through uh, just before. And as you well know, of course, the report uh, of the 9-11 Commission did not even mention Building 7. They were forced to conduct a separate investigation 
and just before its release, I'm talking about within days, Barry Jennings died mysteriously. Here was a guy who could have, based upon his own direct personal experience, have contradicted the official account. I think he was uh, therefore an inconvenient witness. And as we know, in so many other cases, uh, they tend to have abbreviated lifespans. Yep, they go away yeah, mysteriously. Now. And now the uh, the same weapon, direct energy, uh, is used in uh, Santa Rosa. I'm not sure if you've seen the videotapes, but there was absolute total destruction there. And they have pictures of the uh, of the rays, the, the blue rays coming down and uh, starting the fires. Uh, there was no reason to be to have 85 mile per hour uh, mile per hour winds there, uh, and those, of course, were created by um, by the weapons in space, as was Katrina, uh, Harvey, and all the other hurricanes. They've always been, uh, they were contrived, they were uh, um, made by these uh, weapons. So you John, we're on exactly the same page here. Uh, the, the fire in California. Uh, we had a hurricane uh, 100 miles off the coast of Manhattan that was used uh, in some fashion uh, to help these uh, direct energy weapons uh, uh, work. Yeah, Judy's never been very clear about the role of Hurricane Aaron, but I'm completely in agreement with you about these recent hurricanes having been man-made. I interviewed James McCanny about it. Uh, other experts have drawn the same conclusion, and the fires in California are bizarre, and I agree 100% appear to be caused by directed energy weapons. You have Cases where buildings and all of their contents, I mean, you know, their, their, their bathroom fixtures, ceramic fixtures, steel structures and all that are completely decimated, and yet trees growing right beside them are completely unaffected. It's very Absolutely. weird. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And, and uh, fires growing inside the trees. Uh, that may be because uh, there, there's a phenomenon where the, the trees dry out on the inside. So that may or may not be, you know, and therefore can burn from the inside. That may or may not be supportive evidence, but it's certainly striking. And I wonder whether you entertain the hypothesis that has occurred to me, to wit, uh, Bibi Netanyahu is very pissed off that we did not deliver Syria on a silver platter. He's very upset with the United States. My personal conjecture is that Israel is at war with the United States, that these hurricanes are a manifestation. Remember, their God is not a God of compassion and forgiveness, a, a, a God of love. Their God is a God of revenge. Let vengeance be mine. I even believe that these bizarre ship accidents uh, off of the coast of Japan uh, by American warships that are very sophisticated electronically, that have the capability of knowing everything in the air, on the water, and beneath the water simultaneously 24-7 or constantly maintained as surveillance stations, having collisions with enormous lumbering cargo ships is inconceivable unless they were somehow being electronically uh, micromanaged by manipulating GPS or otherwise. And anyone who thinks that Israel wouldn't have the resources for the technology may be forgetting that on the day before 9-11, Donald Rumsfeld announced that the Pentagon was missing $2.3 trillion from its budget, where the chief financial officer of the Pentagon at the time, Dove Zockheim, was not only a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen, but actually a rabbi, he had a, a, a flight management system company, though they they could remotely 
take control of an aircraft were it being uh, hijacked. I believe the original plan was to fly drones using those systems into the towers until they discovered it was physically impossible to make the entry. They had to get them all the way inside the building before they exploded to have a pseudo-explanation for what they would claim would be the explanation for their collapse, even though it had a completely different uh, causal character. Uh, I'm also suspicious about these auditory attacks on the our embassy in Cuba. I mean, the Cubans have been waiting for more than 50 years for improved relations with the United States. They have no interest whatsoever in doing anything that would undermine. But Israel doesn't like the example of the United States having a reconciliation with a a communist country or formerly, and doesn't want it to set an example for a rapprochement with Russia, which I hope will yet take place for the Donald, for example, is going to have a meeting with Vladimir Putin in Vienna toward the end of his current trip to five different nations. I believe yeah, that well, Israel is the one country that has the motive and the means and, and, of course, the opportunity to bring these events about to the great detriment of the United States. Israel was definitely responsible, totally and completely responsible for Fukushima. There's no doubt about that. And uh, now that they've started to release the Kennedy information, they will never, ever find out or release to the public that Mossad was the one that uh, assassinated uh, Kennedy. And they did that on the uh, on the um, direct orders of um uh, trying to think who the prime minister was then, uh, David Ben-Gurion. Uh, and he resigned. That was in the summer of 63 when he gave them the order. And then they, uh, uh, then he resigned. And it took him five months to get the program together. As far as the CIA being involved, the only reason that the, that you could say that the CIA was involved is that, uh, James, uh, James Jesus Angleton, who was chief of station in Rome, and was sent down to Israel in 1947 when the country was being formed, along with M MI6, to form Mossad. Somehow, Angleton got compromised uh, with Mossad. And when he was sent back to the United States, he was put in charge of foreign intelligence in 1960. And his whole thing, his whole reason, raison d'etre, was he was going to find the... Russian mole in the CIA, and the fact was he was the Russian mole. Um, in 1972, he was fired by Bill Colby, a friend of mine, and uh, then Mossad assassinated Bill Colby. So Angleton, uh, being in the CIA, was the one that greased the skids uh, for Mossad to uh, assassinate Kennedy. Well, I think that the, the Israel did have a motive because uh, David Ben-Gurion was at loggerheads with JFK, who did not want Israel to proceed with the development of nuclear weapons. The, Absolutely. The, the inspection of Demona is what yeah. uh, Ben-Gurion didn't want. And uh, uh, Kennedy kept insisting on it, uh, the inspection of Demona. And uh, finally, Ben-Gurion got fed up and just said, do him. Well, the fact is that the uh, the plan to assassinate Jack originated in 1960 in Los Angeles when Lyndon Johnson forced himself on the ticket. Uh, Jack had already invited Stuart Symington of Missouri to be his running mate. Uh, Bobby went by the Johnson suite to extend a pro forma invitation, which he expected Lyndon to decline. 
was astonished when he jumped on it. He threatened to expose that Jack had Addison's disease, wasn't expected to live a long, healthy life, that he had had dalliances with beautiful women, some of whom were spies for his Germany. And moreover, if he were not on the ticket, then any legislative proposal sent down by the White House would be dead on arrival because he'd block them in his position as the powerful Senate majority leader. Jack and Bobby tried to figure a way out, but were boxed in and had to accede to Lyndon's request. When one of Lyndon's powerful, wealthy backers learned that he was going to help elect JFK president, he burst into the Johnson suite cursing and swearing. Uh, Bobby Baker took him into a bedroom and explained what they had in mind. He came out all smiles and said he thought that was an excellent plan. Bobby would later declare that Jack would not live out his first term and would die a violent death. Lyndon actually sent his chief administrative assistant, Cliff Carter, down to Dallas to make sure all the arrangements were in place for the assassination. But I certainly agree that Israel, along with the CIA, the Joint Chiefs, anti-Castro Cubans, the Mafia, Eastern establishments surrounding the Feb and the Texas oilmen were sponsors of the assassination. They wanted JFK out. The mechanics, I've identified six of the shooters. Uh, I'm fairly confident there was a seventh. They had coordinators and supervisor who, astonishingly enough, included George Herbert Walker Bush, who actually was in the Dow Tax, supervising a hit team that involved an anti-Castro-Cuban by the name of Nestor Tony Escadro, who was using a Manlicher Carcano, the only unsilenced weapon being used in, in the plaza, to set up the acoustical impression of only three shots having been fired. The weapon is so unreliable, having been known in World War II as the humanitarian rifle for never harming anyone on purpose. He did fire three shots, but with two misses, one hit a distant curbing and injured a bystander by the name of James Tagg. Another missed and hit the chrome strip above the windshield. After the driver, William Greer, pulled the limousine to the left and to a halt to make sure JFK would be killed, his third shot hit Jack in the back of the head. He slumped forward. Jackie Easton back up was looking him right in the face when he was hit in the right temple by a frangible or exploding bullet fired from the intersection of the triple underpass and the picket fencers and above ground sewer opening there by a soldier of fortune with ties to both the CIA and the mafia by the name of Frank Sturgis. And that, that shot, uh, blew, set up shockwaves that blew his brains out the back of his already weakened cranium with such force that when they impacted with Motorcycle patrolman Bobby Hargis riding to the left rear. He initially thought he himself had been shot. We, we know uh, Jack slumped to the left. Now, the, the limo stop and uh, the two hits, which were very distinct, were such obvious indications of a conspiracy that, and, in fact, the, of the Secret Service setting him up, for which we have 15 other indications that they had to take it out. This was done at a secret CIA lab adjacent to Godak headquarters in Rochester known as Hawkeye Works. So while the original film, as an 8-millimeter already split film, was taken to the National Photographic Interpretation Center in Washington, D.C. on Saturday the 23rd, where they had to ha uh, uh, ask a shop owner to open his store so they could buy an 8-millimeter projector to view it, the substitute was brought as a 16-millimeter unsplit film by an agent who identified him as William Smith to the same location uh, where they had a different crew working on Sunday than had been working Saturday, and the substitution was made. But my estimate is that uh, while we have 487 frames of the existing film altogether in the original, there would have been about a 1,000. They took out... Uh, 
about 100 of the, the presidential limousine turning from Houston on to Elm, where, by the way, the vehicles were all in the wrong order. The president ought to have been in the middle. This is one of the most telling indications of how they set him up. They put him out front so there'd be less confusion on the part of the shooters as to his location. But the driver swung out too widely, nearly hit a concrete abutment. He had to pause and get back into line, which I think would have shaken the confidence of the American people and the ability of the Secret Service to protect him. Plus, after the driver pulled the limit to the left into a halt, a lot of activities ensued. Bobby Hargis parked his bike, got off his, uh, ran between the two vehicles, which would have been impossible had they still been in motion up to the grassy knoll because he thought that was the origin of the shot. Officer Douglas Jackson, riding on the right side, actually rode his bike up the grassy knoll until it fell over and then proceeded on foot. Meanwhile, five Secret Service agents surrounded the building. This is the time when Clint Hill rushed forward, by the way. Jackie climbed out on the trunk after a big chunk of Jack's skull and brains. He pushed her back Jim, down and Jim. lay across their bodies and was the first to observe up close and personal a gaping fist-sized hole in the back of JFK's head, obviously a mortal wound, which led him to turn to his colleagues and give him a thumbs down. Meanwhile, one of the agents took a chunk of JFK's skull and threw it back into the vehicle, uh, and then they took off. Hey, Jim, hold, hold, Jim, hold on one second. What did you say, John? I want to know how Jim breathes. <laughs> That's a great question. I get that a lot, John. <laughs> um, to tell you a little bit about how uh, Israel has infiltrated our, com our country, I, I write on Facebook, have my page there, John Lear, and uh, I wrote a story a couple of weeks ago uh, about the F-19. Uh, now, the uh, and why they had to kill General Bobby Bonds. Uh, the reason was, uh, 19, uh, I think in 1905, Ben Rich was born to a very wealthy family, Jewish family, in the Philippines. And uh, when he got to a college age, uh, they sent him to the United States to go to University of California and uh, UCLA and uh, University of California at Berkeley, uh, where he got his engineering degree. And then he was, 1953, he went to work for Lockheed. And uh, he worked his way up uh, to go to this concourse. But, of course, since you're, if you're not born in the United States, you have to have, uh, you cannot get a top security clearance. That's that's just a given. So what they did is they fabricated a complete background uh, to have him born in the United States, gave him a new name of Ben Dover. Now, that was a joke on oh, the uh, intelligence committee, uh, an inside joke, that his name was Ben Dover, and they were going to uh, give him a uh, top security clearance, what they did. He ended up as, uh, in when Kelly Johnson retired in 1975, as head of the Skunk Works. Now, the Skunk Works was then in the process of designing the F-117A, and what uh, Ben Rich did was uh, create the F-19. There were 64 of them made. 32 of them went to Israel. Uh, the rest went to the Navy. And what they did, the how they did it, is they wanted to see if they could build all 64 of the F-19s without any money, without any money from Congress or the Pentagon. And they pulled it off. And the way they did it is uh, everything that they needed for the f 117A, they ordered 
uh, a double amount. In other words, if they needed two engines, they ordered four. If they needed uh, uh, two sets of landing gears, they ordered four. Uh, and so they were able to build that airplane without anybody knowing it. Uh, and then accidentally, one day, General Bobby Bonds, who was head of the F-17A program, was in Ben Rich's office, and he saw a door with a lock on it that was specific only to the Navy. And he asked Ben Rich, what's in there? And Rich said, I can't tell you. And Bobby Bond said, uh, you tell me, or I'm going to get a crash X and I'm going to go in there myself. Um, ben Rich had him sign some uh, accidental disclosure forms, let him in, and Bobby Bonds became aware of the F-19 and uh, what was going on there. So that was in 1978. Uh, in 1984, as uh, the airplanes started to come online, the F-117A went to the Air Force, and the F-19 and the F-19 was uh, sent to the uh, Navy and uh, Israel, and they couldn't afford for anything to leak out about this airplane, so they had to kill General Bonds. And the way they did it is where they invited him to Groom Lake. Now, Bonds already had a clearance to go to Groom Lake, but they invited him to Groom Lake to fly the F-19. And uh, Bonds got in the airplane, uh, took off from Groom Lake, headed to the south, and uh, when he got to the uh, uh, the uh, southern limit of the Nevada test site, he started a left turn, and they were able to dis uh, uh, discontrol all of the uh, controls in the airplane, ailerons, except for the elevators, and they pointed that straight down, and General Mons crashed at 450 uh, miles an hour into Little Skull Mountain there. And that, that solved their problem of... Uh, uh, General Bonds ac uh, accidentally um, t telling anybody about the F-19. Uh, ben Rich was the highest Mossad spy west of the Mississippi uh, to uh, to be in control, and he was the head of the Skunk Works. He knew all of the uh, uh, what was going on, all the secret programs, uh, uh, the whole thing. And I think he died in. 1995, so I don't know who's in control now. Well, we sure agree about the role of Israel here, which is massive. Uh, Cynthia McKinney recently revealed when new members of Congress arrive in Washington, they're asked to sign a pledge right. to put the interests of Israel ahead of those of the United States, and the those impact. who refuse find themselves confronted with a well-financed alternative candidate or that their district has been redrawn and they no longer have a seat. Cynthia was able to overcome those obstacles, but others, even including Dennis Kucinich, have not. I, on two different occasions recently, I was asked, how many members of the current Congress have refused to sign that pledge? And I got the same answer from both, namely one, numero uno, exactly one. I mean, it's a complete disgrace. JFK, of course, had required its, the uh, pre precursor of the uh, APAC, the American-Israeli they call it Public Affairs Committee, Correct. which was a World Jewish Congress to register as a foreign agent, but no president since his assassination has been so bold. They obviously are an agent of a foreign government and by far the most powerful lobby in the United States. When two brilliant scholars, one from Harvard and one from the University of Chicago, published a book about the Israeli lobby, a massive tome, very scholarly, demonstrating conclusively the extraordinary control that uh, Israel exercises over our Congress, they were attacked. The book wasn't praised for a, as a revelation, which, of course, was shedding light on the actual 
power structure of the United States, but rather they were pilloried for what I suppose they were accused of anti-Semitism or any of the other obvious uh, canards that are thrown at those who expose the role that Israel is exercising on our government. Right. By the way, John, I, I just got a quick question here from one of the listeners. They're asking, how is it that Lear feels safe to talk like this? I always wondered. You know, I've been asked that question so many times. All I can say is I'm probably protected. Now, uh, I don't know why. They should have eliminated me a long time ago because everybody else who even knows less than me and doesn't go around talking about it are wiped out. They're killed. But here I am still. Still kicking. Still kicking. Right. Now, I'm not in very good health, but uh, I'm still alive. I'm 74 years old and uh, I, I can't walk anymore, but uh, I spend most of my time uh, posting on uh, Facebook and telling all my stories. John, possibly you and Michael discussed this before, but uh, the, the the holograms that were projected. Oh yeah, let's let's get into that because John to, does to, have to a hit lot. The North and the South Tower. Right. Uh, I even have a page from an Australian manual for an airborne holographic projector. There's a fellow in the UK, Richard Hall, who's done what he's labeled his uh, Flight 175 of the 3D radar study, where he explains how he arrived at the conclusion. But the projecting plane appears to have been 1,200 feet to the side. It wasn't observed. Apparently, the sound of that plane was mistaken to be the sound of the hologram. Would that have been an F-19? Would it have been a stealth fighter? Uh, the plane was flying, of course, too fast, as you observed in your affidavit already. Do you have an idea as to how it was, uh, you know, what plane was used to project it? Uh, okay, what's the question again? What what uh, plane do you believe could have been used to project the, hologram. the holograms at the North and the South Tower? Right. Oh, uh, I don't know. I I don't know whether they needed a plane or not. Some people believe oh. it was an E-4B. No, 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 no. This is a, a small plane. It wasn't visible from the ground, but he has radar tracks, John, that actually track the plane projecting the hologram. That was one of the results of his study. He had used the videos, and there were about 52. He'd found there were like 27 that were sufficiently precise. You could plot the location and time for the plane, for example, 175 approaching the building. He found that uh, NIST had a similar plot they claimed was based on radar data, but it didn't look right to him. He did a study and found there was radar data, but it was for a plane that was 1,200 feet to the side. Of course, you're not going to have radar data for a hologram because it's not a physical object that will bounce back radio waves. So there was a real plane flying 1,200 feet to the side that was projecting the hologram to preserve the integrity. It had to fly faster than a Boeing 767 could fly at that altitude, where pilots have also concluded, as uh, you have yourself, that the plane, had it been a real 767 at that speed at that altitude, would have physically come apart. So I'm just speculating on, you know, could it have been a stealth fighter like the F-19 that was used to do the projection? No, they didn't go very fast. They uh, went about uh, Mach 0.85. They they didn't really go that fast. But uh, you know, they we had holograms back in the early 60s, and it's been de developed to the point where they can do anything they want. That's how they hide uh, the new secret bases. Now, the base in northern Nevada, where the black triangles fly out of, uh, is uh, totally uh, uh, invisible. Uh, by these uh, uh, 
uh, machines that can uh, they can put in whatever they want uh, as ground cover. For instance, if the uh, if the uh, airplane or if the airport is in a forest, they can make it a forest. If it's in the desert, they can make it a desert. And the pilots tell me that uh, going into these places, their radar vector down to about 200 feet, and then the ground. They said, John, it's like a zipper. If the zipper opens, the field is uh, uh, totally visible. They land, and then the uh, the cover is is uh, zipped back up. The same thing they have for the Nevada test site, which incidentally is now totally uh, has the same security regulations as Area 51. In other words, when you go to work uh, anywhere in the Nevada test site, uh, you get the same stuff. You're weighed going in. Uh, you get facial recognition, eyeball recognition, uh, everything. And so that whole place is being taken over for something. Now, the uh, the new base that's been in the, built maybe uh, 10, 15 years ago, uh, and I had the fortunate, I was a pilot up at the Nevada test site. Uh, my job was to fly the perimeter of the test site uh, before the underground nuclear blast, and the reason was that if it vented, I was supposed to fly through the uh, the vent, the smoke, and take the readings, and then take it back to McCarran. So I had a view of a lot that was going on there, not Area 51, but a lot of other things. And one of the things I saw was in the Paiute Mesa, uh, one of the mountains was totally white. And only years later did I realize what they were doing. They took off the top of the mountain, uh, put in a um, put in a, a total uh, base underground there of where two or three thousand people work, uh, and then put the mountain top back on. They have a for twelve miles north of there. They have two brand new runways. Uh, oriented uh, northeast and uh, southwest, <clears throat> and those are to test new airplanes. That thing is totally uh, invisible by anybody who's looking from the air. Uh, you absolutely cannot see it. And uh, it's absolutely uh, halfway between uh, Groom Lake and Tonopah Test Range. Now, here's the interesting thing, Jim, is they had to figure out a way to get Two or three thousand people up to work. This place I call Sandia. Now it may have a different name now, but the reason they called it Sandia is because if they gave the base a new name, it would obviously mean that there was something new going on. So what they do for all secret projects now, they give old names that are used everywhere else. For instance, Sandia. There's a Sandia Mountain Range, Sandia Corporation, Sandia everything. And so if Sandy is accidentally mentioned, somebody said, oh, I know that place. That That's in Albuquerque. But uh, so that's why I think it's called Sandy. Now, here's the interesting thing. They have to get two or 3,000 people up there. How do they do it? They can't do it with the 737s that uh, work out of special projects at uh, McCarran because they would have to get new airplanes, and they don't want any any indication that there's a lot of people going anywhere. They can't have them drive up, it takes too long. They can't have buses, it takes too long. So what they did is they built uh, an underground maglev subway. They can go from, uh, it's under the, the main terminal is under the Luxor um, Casino. Uh, it goes to the Bellagio to pick up other passengers, and then it goes direct to Sandia in about 15 minutes. Now, 
the way they did that, and it's interesting now because there's a new uh, casino being built uh, right where all this construction was going on. I think it's called uh, World Casino or something like that. But what they did is they built a uh, 50-story casino called Echelon. And they put in the construction there of uh, steel frame all the way uh, up to the 50 stories. And the specific reason for Echelon was to hide the construction of the uh, underground uh, subway because uh, you can't start under building something underground. You have to get through the top in a large area to get all the equipment down there to build it. And uh, Echelon was specifically so that the people from the Strip or anybody else uh, uh, could not see what was going on. They had CIA sharpshooters uh, stationed all around Echelon, and the workers were told specifically, under no circumstances, you look over the side of what's going on. If you do, you'll be shot. And uh, that's, that was what their job was. So the original entrance to the subway was <laughs> the gift shop at the Luxor. Oh, but then, you know, they had to get so many people that they had to get other entrances. Now there's a walkway from Special Projects at McCarran that goes over to the terminal under the Luxor. The reason they used Bellagio is because the massive underground parking there uh, was a place where they could hide uh, that many cars of people going to work. The people going to Bellagio, they go into a secret room, get into a secret elevator, and takes them down 100 feet to the subway there. And then they get uh, off into uh, to go to Sandia. You know, do, you John, mean the, do you mean the Bellagio in Las Vegas? Do I what? Do you mean the hotel in Las Vegas, the Bellagio, or you mean another yeah. Bellagio? Yeah. No, no, the Bellagio Hotel in Vegas. In, now, in Vegas, In 1984, yeah. not, not 1984, the uh, uh, Bellagio had a three-day uh, blackout. Now, that's absolutely impossible. Uh, Bellagio, the, the casinos have backup on backup on backup to see they don't ever lose power because of all the money that's going around, all the machines that are going around. They cannot afford that for that to happen. What they were doing is they were adding an extra track um uh, under uh, uh, the the uh, under the Bellagio happened to be under the Bellagio, and they hit the main power grid for Bellagio and wiped out the power for uh, two, three days. Now this was a disaster because they had to get so many people involved in rebuilding it and getting that power grid going. They had to give accidental disclosures to accidental disclosure forms to all the people that that energy who had no idea that this was going on and it was a uh, uh, a real disaster an intelligence disaster uh Belongio was paid off to keep their mouths shut and nobody has there never been a satisfactory explanation of what caused the power out at the Belongio for three days interesting you, you know this all does remind me of a post that you made on above top secret uh, maybe around 2007 about a navy submarine base under the nevada desert that's something i've always wanted to talk to you about and you reminded me about that just now. Yes, uh, I used to drive up to uh, Reno to see my folks, and halfway between Las Vegas and Reno, there's a town called Hawthorne. And right. it has a little lake there about 15 miles long, it's about 100 feet deep, and there was always a sign uh, on both ends of town saying, Navy, Naval Underwa Underwater Warfare Training Center. Wow. And I'm wondering, now, where could they train 
what could they use? They're not losing that light because they won't even get a submarine in there. And uh, eventually I found out, a friend of mine told me uh, that there was an elevator uh, in the uh, in the naval uh, part of uh, Hawthorne that uh, went down 3,200 feet to the Pacific Ocean. Now, the 15 western states of the United States um, f uh, floats on the Pacific Ocean. And the Navy has entrances at Malibu and uh, Monterey Bay. There's probably other entrances, entrances, but those are the only ones I know about. Now, it's not a tunnel. It's the whole area there. And uh, they can go wherever they want uh, under those 15 states. There's some very odd places where signs say uh, Navy underwater uh, area or something like that. They're all over the place. Uh, so they can do anything they want. Now, the reason they used Hawthorne is because Hawthorne has been the uh, area where they build uh, and construct and engineer all of the super secret uh, submarine uh, submarine uh, uh, munitions, missiles, uh, ROVs, remote operating vehicles, all that. And it goes to, there's a mountain, a uh, huge mountain uh, uh, to the northwest of Hawthorne, and it's hidden in those mountains. And uh, you can look on uh, Google Earth, and you can follow the main road going up there, and it just disappears. <laughs> there's just, you know, it doesn't go anywhere, and it's like a four-lane four highway that goes up there. So the Navy uh, can send uh, their <clears throat> submarines under, uh, through from Monterey Bay uh, all the way up to uh, under Hawthorne. Now, there's a huge submarine base under Hawthorne, and they can get supplied uh, with all their munitions. They don't have to go to uh, uh, go through Reno to Alameda. They don't have to go to uh, Sandia or to uh, San Diego. They can just go underground to uh, Hawthorne and get all these uh, supplies that they need. That's some wild shit, right, John? This one? I said that's pretty wild shit. <laughs> hey, it's all true. I you know a lot of people no, I, no, you know, I say that. that I'm that I'm full of it, but the fact is I don't come out with anything unless I can absolutely positively right, prove it. Right. I wasn't saying it's 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 a I wasn't discrediting you, I was saying it's just so wild that this exists. Now, Norm Bergwin, who wrote uh, Ringmakers of Saturn, uh, had a fantastic career. I mean, he worked for the, some of the major um, aerospace companies, uh, Lockheed, Douglas, all of them. And I had a chance in 1985 when I gave a, a lecture in uh, San Jose to go to his house and talk to him. And uh, I, I told him the story about that I thought that uh, – um, uh, that. Uh, was see, not eight, and it wouldn't have been eighty-five. I told him about the my theory on uh, World Trade Center being holograms. He says, "Oh, absolutely." He said, "I was going to work uh, on the uh, main highway from Palo Alto, where he lived, uh, down to uh, Lockheed." And uh, he said, "One morning, a seven forty-seven appeared, maybe two hundred feet above my car, and it stayed there for thirty seconds. It was absolutely uh, not." anywhere where an airplane would be or would be that low. And he said, to me, it looked like a real 747. Uh, I think that happened in 1985. But uh, he said, I agree with you that they were holograms in uh, uh, 
in the use on 9/11. Now, I used to post on ATS, but they're so government controlled. Uh, when I first mentioned the hologram theory, I got attacked like you can't believe. Oh, of course, I mean, of course. Hundreds of people were on there. Yeah. And uh, I also uh, am pro. Billy Meyer, uh, that incident happened. It was real. He did get taken in a flying saucer. Now, some of the things he said are uh, maybe are not absolutely correct. Michael Horn, the Billy Meyer story is true. And because of my insistence on that, uh, ATS just, uh, first of all, they just kicked me off. And, uh, oh, no. and then later, uh, they said, okay, you can come back on. I said, not without an apology. That's right. And uh, sept septic overlord who heads up the thing um, uh, would not give the apology. So I've never been back, and it's fine with me because yeah. there are a bunch of morons on that place. I agree. You don't need to go back there. <laughs> a bunch of morons. Whereas on uh, Facebook. You know, I can uh, uh, I can say what I want, and uh, people are willing to disagree. Of it, you know, there are plenty of trolls on there, uh, and as long as they can back up their uh, disagreement, I'm willing to let them on. But if they just go on and off about stuff they know nothing about, then I'll go ahead and block them. Right, and you usually know who knows something or not. It's quite obvious. By the way, speaking of your Facebook page, I especially like your photos with Bob Lazar. Yeah, I talk to Bob every week, and uh, he's saved my life twice in the past uh, year or so. Uh, I got, um, I was taking uh, oxycodone oh, because no, of, uh, as, as my as my health deteriorates, I had an accident in 1961, June 24th, in Geneva, Switzerland, and I accidentally spun in. Uh, I broke both legs in three places, crushed my heels, crushed my feet. Uh, crushed my neck, lost all my front teeth, uh, had a concussion, broke both sides of my jaw, and I barely lived. The doctor said I would never walk again, but fortunately, I wanted to fly so bad that I worked through all of that. But now, uh, in 1974, things are starting to rapidly deteriorate, and I needed some pain relief. So, um, the DEA this summer uh, made an edict that uh, all people taking um, uh, opioids had to cut uh, by half in the first month and then half of that in the second month. And so not only that, but you can't have your regular doctor do it. Uh, they have to, you have to go to a, a pain management specialist. So I go to a pain management specialist, give me your urine sample, they give me a, a, a a, uh, a prescription. Two days later, they called my wife and said, your husband's testing uh, positive for methamphetamine. We can't have him in our program anymore. Oh, my God. Now, that is so absolutely ridiculous. I haven't left my den in eight years. I don't know, wouldn't even know how to take methamphetamine, much less how to get it. So somebody spiked it. And uh, the reason is, is because if you... If you have too many medical uh, problems and you cost them money, in my case it was over half a million dollars, they decide to, uh, to eliminate you, to kill you. And uh, so the people where I had my insurance program uh, were in on it. And uh, fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, about, uh, you know, right after I had that uh, uh, urine sample, uh, my doctor takes it to a pharmacy, pharmacy which is totally legal 
under the HIPAA Act of 1996. You cannot do that. You're liable to a quarter of a million dollar fine. Uh, but this doctor took at the pharmacy. I was no longer able to get any pain medicine. The uh, company writes me two days later, and they says because I'm taking legal drugs, they're dropping me from the program. So I went into involuntary um, detox, uh, having taken uh, opioids for the last two years, and it was the most painful thing I've ever been through. Oh, there was, I got no help from anybody at all, and I talked to Bob all the time, and, and during this time, I called him, and I said, you know, I'm I'm done for, Bob. And he says, let me work on this. So he uh, he did some research and found out there's a uh, vitamin called Kratom that comes out of uh, Portland. And uh, he said, go get this stuff. And I've been using it ever since. And what it has, all the ingredients of oxycodone except the opioids. And uh, then uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, uh, in my uh, 74th day of a detox, I started feeling extremely weak. I couldn't use my hands. I couldn't even use a, a TV clicker. And I called him and I said, Bob, I just, I don't know what's wrong, but I'm not going to be able to make it. He said, let me work on it. So he called back and uh, said, go get this stuff at your grocery. It's called 5-HTP, and it's specifically for people who have already been through 60 days of detox uh, to help get their energy back, and that's been working for me. So Very nice. I talk to Bob all the time. We've been friends for years. He's my best friend. Um, <laughs> he's a Jew, so anybody that says <laughs> I'm anti-Semitic, I tell him, you know, go take a flying leap that some of my best friends are uh, Jews. That's so funny. I, I really love Bob, Bob Lazar. He's someone I've always wanted to get on the program, and I, I'm glad you still talk to him, and I'm glad he's helping you. All the time. And he's he great guy. saved my life. Yeah, he's a really good guy. So John, anyway, I'm working through this. Uh, I, I don't John, know whether detox could last as long, but uh, I'm working through it, and I'm still, like I said, uh, I'm up. But uh, that's about it. What, what about... Uh, Medicinal marijuana. What what about that? That's good. It's good for some people. It doesn't work for me. I don't like it. I don't use it. Uh -huh. uh, but I have no uh, uh, no problem with people that do. Uh, I'm amazed that it got approved in some states because that's the cash cow for the uh, the oh, government. Yes. Right. Uh, all illegal drugs are so. Uh, the DEA uh, tried to outlaw Kratom, which is just a vitamin. It has no opioids at all in it, but they didn't like it. So they got so much protest a year ago that they backed off. Yeah. Go ahead, Jim. Oh, John, I just wanted to ask. I'm sure you heard about the event with the USS Cole a couple of years ago in the Black Sea where a uh, a Russian is an SU-29 approached, and all their fire direction, all their computerized system were frozen in place. It made repeated passes. There were many sailors got out of the Navy because they could tell now, that, you know, that the, 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 the Donald Cole was a, was a Donald Duck. It was a sitting duck. And I'm just wondering whether this capacity possessed by the Russians to take control or, or neutralize all of our computerized systems aboard our warships has come to your attention. Uh, I didn't know that. I believe it. Uh, you know, this supposed Cold War, the Russians never existed. Uh, it, we were friends of the Russians all the time and still are. Uh, and uh, there is a connection there that uh, I'm still trying to figure out, Jim. And the connection is Israel 
is connected with Russia is connected with the United States. Now, I don't know how it all comes together, but it's a masterful plan. Now, we know that Hitler uh, died in the United States in 1968, uh, and uh, in uh, uh, the uh, uh, the uh, uh, the program Paperclip, which was managed by yes. um, John Foster Dulles, uh, Secretary of State, Alan Dulles, head of the CIA, and their sister, Eleanor uh, Dulles, who was head of the Berlin desk. And through them, they uh, what happened was the, uh, the Germans knew they were going to lose. They came to the United States. They knew we couldn't make plutonium, uh, and they could make the uh, initiator, but not Jim was going to respond to you. No. Well, I think uh, John, uh, John and I may have uh, uh, different views about the Apollo program and so forth. I'm inclined to believe the whole thing was staged. It was a very elaborate, uh, you know, discussion. Hey, what word did I say different, people. Jim? Pardon me? What word did I say different? Well, uh, don't you have a view about uh, the, uh, the role of the moon today, John? Have I been misinformed? Tell me. It, it, uh, do you do you do you agree that the the whole moon program was a was a subterfuge that it was uh, not uh, uh, possible for us to travel to the moon that we didn't have the propulsion power? Absolutely, we didn't have positively, power. you know, absolutely, positively, uh, the Van Allen belt uh, is right. the main reason we couldn't go. But the technology, we never developed the Saturn V. What the people saw taking off. Uh, on uh, on uh, Apollo 11 uh, was a Saturn 4B that was dressed up to look like a Saturn 5. But the fact is, of all 200 videos, uh, and there's probably more uh, of the takeoff uh, that follow it through as far as the second stage, there was no second stage. It did not happen. The only thing is, after the first stage burned out, NASA put a little explosive in there to make people think that that was the second stage firing. But there's not one piece of credible evidence that uh, the uh, second stage fired. That whole thing was faked. I mean, there was not, no, no way that we, uh, they went up there. I got interested in the, uh, you know, the whole 
space program when I was in London and with my wife, we were staying at the Morgan Hotel on, on, uh, is it Salisbury Street, as I recall the name, backs on to the British Museum. And I turned on one of the BBC channels and they were playing conspiracy theory. Did we land on the moon? Which just gave one scientific argument after another about how it was an elaborately staged hoax, including in some scenes you actually see, saw the astronauts were on wires. They were being controlled from above as though they were puppets. I mean, the fact there's no blast crater underneath a moon lander, you know, I, uh, uh, yeah, well, Jim, forget all that. There's an, in, uh, there's a video with, uh, what's his name? Who was the guy that uh, did 2001? Oh, uh, Kubrick. Yeah. Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. Right. There's a, there's a, a, a video on, uh, the web that shows him admitting that and telling how it happened, how he went into Nixon's office, how Nixon said, look, we got a problem. We can't get to the moon. We need you to help us. And that's when he filmed it in London. Uh, his wife and daughter all can uh, uh, agree that that's what he was doing there, and that's what he did. Now, Kubrick, after he did the uh, fake landings, lived in his house until his uh, until he passed away, and he never went out of there. Uh, the plan was to kill him, uh, but they couldn't get to him. Yeah, very interesting, just stunning stuff. In fact, re recently, I think about two years ago, a NASA spokesman said that the greatest obstacle to a manned mission to Mars was the Van Allen radiation belt, as though that were a novelty. <laughs> Uh, there was a discovery of a treasure trove of moon landing uh, footage. NASA destroyed it, John. And most recently, they offered $20,000 for assistance with their space poop problem that currently they could handle human waste up to 14 days, uh, 14 hours worth. But, of course, some of these flights allegedly took seven or eight days. So, you know, they had a uh, – it turns out the whole space program was nothing but a massive pile of space poop. Absolutely, and the forty billion dollars that we spent on that went to uh, the or the uh, weapons of mass destruction that we have orbiting. There's fifteen of them. Uh, you just go to John Walsom, that's uh, W A L S O N, uh, on the web, and he's got fantastic pictures of these. Uh, weapons orbiting. He has a telescope that was able to, uh, uh, to able to track these things, and I have pictures of at least 15 of them. So, you know, uh, they're up there. That's what the money was used, uh, and we cannot go any further. We could not go any further than the Van Allen belt. Now, we are allied with uh, some of the ETs who have given us help uh, in these uh, weapons and uh, other areas, and uh, and uh, they're the only ones that could help us get past the Van Allen belt. Now, on the moon, I know it's uh, not believable, but uh, I know that the gravity is 68.71% of Earth's. It's not 1.6%. There is a breathable atmosphere, and I believe that a quarter of a million, a quarter of a million humans live up there. I have pictures of all kinds of stuff up there. I have... Uh, 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 pictures of spaceports, uh, pictures of mining in uh, the uh, crater Copernicus. Uh, you can go to thelivingmoon.com, find all those pictures, look at them yourself. Uh, I posted a lot of that on uh, Facebook. Uh, I posted a picture the other day of Aristarchus. Now, Aristarchus always been told us by NASA, told us that uh, it's just bright sand. 
Well, it may be bright sand, but there's a structure 25 miles in diameter, hexagonal structure, that's absolutely enormous. And there's a blue glow from there, and the blue glow comes, or it can come from radioactive uh, material coming in contact with air, which turns it blue, and that's called the Cherenkov effect. And I posted a picture of that, and uh, everybody looks at that and says, oh, my God, I guess the moon's not ours. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> no. not ours. <laughs> you, you know, this reminds me of a talk I had with Dr. Albert Taylor, who, you know, we talked off air, and he sort of alluded to what you're saying now, remarkably. Yeah, John, it's hard so for John, people to accept that if they've, we, they've been we, fed so much BS over the uh, over the years, especially this gravity thing. Right. Uh, now, there's a lady called, uh, her name is Perry Spalter. She wrote, wrote The Gravitational Force of the Sun in 1993, and she absolutely proves mathematically, scientifically, and every other way that Newton was wrong. Is not there, there's no gravitational pull in mass, and because that's true, then everything that uh, Einstein came up with, uh, both general and special uh, relativity uh, theories, all of that is out the window. There's not a shred of truth in any of it. Oh man, John, let me ask you this. I mean, if the, we we've had to fake the space program and traveling to the moon in 1969-1970 how are we able to maintain bases there now what is the mode of transportation uh, do we did we succeed in discovering how to do this subsequent to the original space program or is there what makes you think other, we have a base there yeah but how did we manage to get there to develop the base yeah, well, what makes you think we have a base there oh i thought you were asserting we did no I said there's a quarter of a billion humans up there, but they aren't from Earth. They're from somewhere else. Ah, uh, this is an alien base. Ah. Absolutely. Because, uh, I mean, the now temperature they, uh, variation is like from 350 above to 350 below. I mean, you know, this is a there's huge no, that's all, very, very Jim, that's all BS. for human, human beings. Jim, that's all BS. Don't believe any of that stuff that NASA says. Howard Menger went there in 1956. Uh, the moon people have taken hundreds, thousands of people from Earth up to sea and take a tour there of two weeks showing all the stuff they have. But, of course, they're not going to say anything because nobody would believe them. But Howard Menger went up there in 1956, came back. Uh, he became a uh, confidant of the Pentagon, uh, and he's the one that, uh, when I got interested in the moon stuff, I wanted to know the true color of the sky, and he said it's saffron yellow. And I said uh, I sent him a uh, uh, six swatches of different colors of saffron yellow and had him mark the one that, that the color of the sky was. And I have that posted on the living moon that he did that. Now he's passed away now. He had a website and apparently it's not going anymore. His daughter used to run it. But uh, Howard Menger went there uh, on one of the trips that they gave him was uh, out in the desert on a, uh, a high-speed maglev train or whatever it was. He said, uh, uh, yeah, train um, that ran on a copper highway. He said when they were in the desert, they were allowed, they opened the doors and they were allowed to go out and see. Yes, it was hot, but it, it wasn't any fatal hot. So... You know, all that stuff you hear from NASA, there's not one shred of truth. And as far as uh, big gas giants, 
in the uh, solar system. Uh, the only gas giant in our solar system is NASA. Now, unbeknownst to uh, most people, they think there's nine planets. There's 40 planets uh, in our solar system, and they all trade with one another. Uh, they trade, you know, along with our moon. Uh, they, uh, the people on the moon farm, and they uh, also mine minerals, and all that trading goes on all the time. And we're all sitting on Earth thinking, gee, I wonder if anybody's out there. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. By the way, uh, John, I, I did want to get your opinion on Elon Musk. He's been making the waves lately. Um, any opinion on him, sir? Uh, refresh my memory. What does he say? Elon Musk is someone who wants to colonize Mars. Um, you know, all of our planets are uh, have civilizations on them. All, all 40 planets have civilizations. Mars has at least two or three civilizations on there. There's no way that we're going to get up there uh, and, and create any uh, any of our stuff up there. There's too much stuff going on up there. Now, we're told that uh, Mars doesn't have a breathable atmosphere. That's baloney. We're told that they don't have water. That's baloney. Everything you hear from NASA, there's not one shred of truth that comes out of that company. Never a straight answer. And by the way, we have a caller here. Star, go ahead and ask John or Jim a question. Hi, good evening, Mike, John, and Jim. Uh, I haven't felt well, so I'm just going to throw this out there and hang up and listen to the answer. I just finished watching a video uh, by Elena Freeland or Freeman, I believe, on a book that's coming out in January called Under an Ionized Sky, uh, speaking of CERN, HARP, all different kinds of things, geostorms, geoengineering, and because of the ionized sky, uh, they are able to use holograms <clears throat> they project onto the sky, and the ionized sky holds image. Uh, I'm wondering uh, what you know about any of this and how this relates to any of the topics you were speaking about tonight, especially uh, the hologram planes in 911. Was the sky ionized then? How did that all work? And thank you so much. Have a good evening, everyone. Thank you very much. Yes, that's possible to happen. Um, but, you know, uh, all of this stuff about Nibiru and Planet X and all that, it's all BS. Nothing's going to happen to us. There's no asteroids going to hit us. No, nothing. We were created by ET. Uh, they're in control. They made billions and billions of humans before. Earth is 13 billion years old, and there have been many thousands of civilizations far more advanced than we are on Earth. And uh, when they're due, when they're done with that particular project, they erase it. They completely uh, turn the planet uh, over with uh, dirt and water and everything, and then start a new one. And we're just in a long line uh, of, uh, of uh, humans uh, uh, on Earth. Now, the reason humans are on Earth is because all of us have lived hundreds of lifetimes. Nobody has, uh, this is their first time. There, we're on Earth because in our last lifetime, we made an error. We did something wrong. And Earth is essentially a prison planet. We're here to live, to learn how to live with integrity and without envy, hate, or greed. 
greed and to express our love to our family each and every day. That's all we've got to do. We don't have to make money. We don't have to collect uh, girlfriends. We don't have to do any of that stuff that people think is important. All we have to do is live with integrity without envy, hate, or greed and to express our love to our family each and every day. That's it. That's a great answer. I hope that answered her question. And Jim, are you still there? Well, I'm uh, I'm uh, old-fashioned compared to John's paradigm. Mine is far more traditional of a, an Earth that's approximately four and a half billion years old, where where gravity no is way. a bona fide no phenomenon qualified by qualified <laughs> by Einstein and special and general relativity. So John had. And where evolution was the origin of, of, of life on Earth, but I'm fascinated by John's declarations, which I'm not in a position to verify or confirm. I find it Jim, utterly just fascinating. Go, just buy Perry Spalter's book. It's out there. You can order it. Or publishing in Granite Hills. Just read the book and see the evidence she's had. She's a mathematical genius, and she shows why Newton was wrong. It's very easy to understand. I'll tell you, it's so easy to understand that I could understand it. <laughs> her, her name again, John, the name of the book again? Her last name is Spolter, S-P-O-L-T-E-R. And her first name is Perry, P-A-R-I. Yeah, I'll look into that. And by the way, John, are, are you in your infamous lair while we're conducting this yes. interview? Yeah, oh, I'm you always are. in my infamous lair. I, I love that place, by the way. Looking at the photos now. Um, has it changed over the years at all? Yeah, I just finished doing um, the hallway completely. Uh, on one side of the hallway is uh, all of the uh, nice letters I've gotten uh, from people, and the other side is just all the great pictures I have on the moon. I have the, the spaceport there. I have uh, uh, pictures of all kinds of things. I have pictures of, of landing in Mogadishu. You know, I was the first one to be in Somalia in 1977 when we, we went there. I say the U.S. Uh, when I say we, I mean the U.S. Yes. What happened was is the uh, traditionally supported by Russia, East Bloc uh, uh, countries, and uh, for some reason, the Russians decided to support the Ethiopian uh, rebels, and this made Somalia so uh, angry that uh, uh, that they kicked them out, kicked the Russians out. We went in there, and uh, what we wanted was Berbera, the deep water port on the uh, mouth of the uh, uh, Gulf of Aden that leads up to the Red Sea. The reason that's important is because if the Straits of Hormuz to the north, uh, where all oil comes out of, if that's ever uh, 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 blocked for some reason, all of the oil has to go down to Yanbu, that's Y-A-N-B-U, on the coast of the Red Sea, and then all the oil will have to go out through the Gulf of Aden. So it's important that we have a presence and, uh, uh, and a presence and port, Berbera, uh, on the Gulf of Aden. Now, I was the first one in uh, 1977, I got a call from a, a guy, uh, uh, John, we need a 707 captain. Uh, uh, can you work for us? And I said, yeah, what are we doing? He said, I can't tell you. I said, okay, well, uh, he said, go to Frankfurt. And he said, check in the International Hotel there, and uh, I'll call you. 
So I said, well, how am I supposed to get paid for this? And he said, uh, I'll have cash for you then. So I got a friend, uh, got a uh, plane to Frankfurt, went there, checked in the hotel. I get a message, go down to Lufthansa, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. There's a flight to Budapest. And... Uh, Everything will be handled. The ticket's paid for, uh, everything. So I go down there and find eight other of my fellow uh, pilots who I didn't know were there are doing the same thing. So we go to Budapest. We get, uh, you know, Air Americans are supposed to, uh, Americans aren't supposed to go into uh, Hungary, uh, but there was a CIA gear there walking us through. We went to the Hilton Hotel, checked in. And uh, there's a phone call, go to room such and such at uh, 8 o'clock. And so we all go up there, and there's a guy in there. His name is Hank Wharton. He was the premier uh, State Department gun runner of the uh, 70s. And uh, he gives us a briefing, and he starts out, now, welcome to uh, Budapest. Buda is on the north side of the Danube. Danube. Uh, Pest is on the south side. Uh, you'll find that uh, in October here, it's going to be a little cooler, but it's still pleasant weather. Da 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 da. And as he's doing this, he has a piece of paper with a, a typewritten bunch of rules and regulations, and he he passes it to each person uh, so that we can read it while he's giving this uh, this travelogue. And it says, you know, common stuff like don't trade money on the black market, don't tell anybody why you're here, you know, that kind of stuff. I still have that captain's brief, and it's in the hallway on on the table there in my scrapbook of uh, interesting things. So he finishes the briefing. He says, now, come on, I'm going to buy you dinner. So we go out, and he takes us over the chain bridge, that famous iron chain bridge that uh, crosses the Danube. We get to the middle of it. Of course, there's nobody there, and he tells us what we're doing. He says, uh, tomorrow morning, or actually it was, a, it was the day after, uh, he said, we're going to uh, have the airplane loaded uh, with guns and ammunition, and uh, you'll fly him to Somalia. And uh, we stopped in Saudi Arabia for fuel, had to make a fuel stop. And then after uh, after uh, 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 Jeddah, uh, we flew to Somalia. I think it's a three- or four-hour trip. And uh, radio silence, nobody – the only clearance we got from Jeddah was cleared for takeoff. Oh <laughs> and we started flying south. We get to Somalia, and uh, there's all – kinds of Americans here ready to unload these uh, guns and ammunition. And the reason it had to come with Hungary is because Somalia was traditionally supported by East Bloc countries, uh, which is all a different caliber. So if we're going to support them uh, like we wanted to when they kicked the Russians out, we're going to have to get ammunition that fits their guns. And the way we did it was to, to get it through Hungary. So that went on for a couple of months, and that was uh, an interesting part of my career. Oh, yeah. Uh, I kind of really enjoyed that. That's wild stuff. I didn't know about any of that, uh, John. Pardon? I said, I didn't know about any of that. Yeah, and uh, I can tell it now because uh, all the people that uh, were in that program or any program that I talk about are, you know, are passed away. So I don't have too much problem here, and that may be why they haven't bumped me off yet. Yeah, that, that that's probably why exactly. And, of course, I, I did see that drawing that Bob Lazar made for you on your uh, um, Facebook there. Oh yeah, of the um, of the Aurora. Yes, of the Aurora. Yeah, 
Yeah, he saw the aurora. Everybody says, oh, it didn't exist. It was a accidental um, accounting error that made that. But they made seven of them, and Bob saw one of them on the ramp uh, at Groom Lake. Now, he didn't work at Groom Lake. He worked at S4, and uh, he would take the uh, 737 uh, to Groom Lake, get into a bus that take uh, 30 minutes to get to S4, out in the desert on uh, Papoose Lake, and uh, he would work all day there, and then come back and and uh, again. Now, in March 21st of 1989, he said, "Do you want to see a flying saucer fly?" And I said, "Yeah, how can we do it?" He said, "There's a test flight tomorrow night, and I know where we can get in, still be on public land." and watch it fly. And I said, great, let's go. So I went with uh, Bob and uh, Gene Huff and uh, Bob's wife. We go up there, uh, get there about 9 o'clock. I'm setting up a telescope, and there it is, right to the south, where, where it would be over S4, Papoose Lake. This thing gets up and uh, lights up the uh, – it's a ball of light. It goes up, and then it starts going to the right and left and zipping all around, and it's pretty fantastic. And then I had a Celestron 8 telescope, which is very difficult uh, to focus in on anything that's moving, but – I got it focused in, and as it's coming down, uh, straight down behind the mountains for a landing, I saw it clear as a bell through this 8-inch telescope. It was a flying saucer. It was colored goldish. It was radiating some kind of gold material off the uh, outside of it, and I watched it for maybe 15 seconds. Uh, I moved over. I said, Gene, look at this, and as I pulled back, I accidentally hit one of the tripod legs uh, and moved it out of position. But uh, they all went a week later and uh, saw it. I was on a flight with American Trans Air at the time. Uh, and then the week after that was uh, March 6, 1989. Uh, and as we drove in, uh, we got security uh, and uh, they asked for IDs and all this stuff, you know, and kept us for, oh, yes. detained us for an hour. Um and said, you know, don't come back, and uh, we drove out on the, the highway, and we were stopped by uh, Lincoln County uh, Sheriff, and he gave us the business for about an hour, and then finally, he comes back, he says, I don't know why I'm being told to tell you this, but I'm telling you that I'm releasing you, no further questions, and that don't come back again. So the next day, uh, Bob, uh, his boss was Dennis Mariana, uh, said, Bob, uh, don't go to the 737 today. I'm going to come and pick you up. I picked him up. I took him to, uh, which is now um, Creech Air Force Base, uh, and they took him out of the car with a gun in his ear, took him into security. Creech is where the his security is for the entire Nevada test site. And they said, now, Bob, when we gave you a clearance to work on these flying saucers, it didn't mean you were supposed to take all of your friends out there and watch it. <laughs> now, do you want to work here or not? And uh, there was some other problems, but Bob was noncommittal. And the reason he was noncommittal is because the last two trips up to Groom Lake and S4, he could remember getting on the airplane at McCarran and getting off after the day was over, off the same airplane at McCarran. But he couldn't remember anything that went on between, and he didn't want to work on a program 
where you weren't allowed to remember what you were doing. Yeah, that's pretty wild. So, so, I you know, understand then that the, the U.S. has anti-gravity uh, technology or these uh, flying saucers, these were of U.S. Uh, origin rather than extraterrestrial. Is that correct? Were the saucers of extraterrestrial? Uh, no, these were, were yeah. these U.S. contrivances, the saucers you no, were no, doing no. here? No, no, they were nine extraterrestrial craft. They and, were nine uh, extraterrestrial his job, his job was to back engineer uh, the propulsion system. But it's trillions of years ahead of us. There's no way that we could even possibly the fuel as element 115. Uh, we've been allegedly been able to make it, but we can't make the 115 that he held. It doesn't have the number of isotopes it should have. And uh, there is absolutely no way that we could make 115. Now, the ETs gave us 500 pounds of that uh, to use, but the only thing we figured out uh, is to use it as a bomb. And if you used all 500 pounds of element 115, uh, shot protons at it and exploded it, it would it, it would destroy an area the size of South America. But we don't have it. You're not really intelligent people that are running the program up there, so I can see why Bob didn't want to stay there. Yeah. Can you t uh, elaborate on what happened, uh, you know, at Roswell, what, what, 1947 or so, when we had the, the you know, reports of a, of a saucer having crashed there and the, the discovery of two or three aliens maybe still alive at the time? Can you expound on that? Yeah, there was two saucers that crashed. Uh, there was uh, four alien <laughs> beings. Uh, they're what we call the Greys. They're androids. They're not an ET race. Uh, they are just kind of like uh, workers that work for ETs. Good ETs, bad ETs, it doesn't matter. They, they're just workers. Those were specifically caused crashes so that we could take some of the information and uh, use it for technology. But as far as anti-gravity, now my father, the head of Lear Incorporated, which he formed in 1930 after he sold his interest, uh, his half interest in Motorola, uh, he took that money, formed Lear Incorporated, and it was a very successful uh, corporation uh, uh, giving all kinds of products to the military. In 1952, he was given the entire anti-gravity program uh, to work on. And that program was finished and complete in 1956. We had all our own saucers. We had our own anti-gravity. Now, it was not as sophisticated as ETs have, but uh, we could certainly use it. We could certainly have our own flying saucers. Unfortunately, Dad couldn't keep his mouth shut, and in 1953, he was kicked out of the program. And even though he was president and chairman of the board of Lear Inc., he was not allowed to get into that program. And uh, he never said another word. Uh, died in 1978. And I'm sure that the briefing they gave him was, now, Bill, you're talking too much. You're no longer in the program. If you say one more word about it, we're going to kill Moya, his wife. We're going to kill your kids. We're going to kill your grandparents. We're going to kill your parakeet, your dog, and everything else. So Jesus. keep your mouth shut. And he never wow. said anything. That's pretty heavy. Yeah, that's the way they threaten people today. That's why a lot of people aren't coming out is because they don't care about their own lives. They may be, you know, dying of some kind of thing. But they say, when you're gone, yeah, we find out you said anything, your family is history. Oh, no.
Well, I'm glad you John, didn't meet that feat. I'd like to return to a political issue which has to do with the vast influence of Israel over our political system. What we can, what can we do to modify or eradicate that influence, which is all for the using the United States, its resources, its finances, its military to benefit Israel. They could care less about us, but only as a resource for the sake of which, of course, 9-11 was organized so that we would enter the Middle East to take out the modern Arab states that served as a counterbalance to Israel's domination of the region. Uh, how how can we, you know, divest ourselves of this cancer on our body politic? Jim, we can't. I'm telling you, the only thing we have to do is live our lives with integrity, without envy, hate, or greed, and to express our love to our family each and every day. Uh, we can't change anything else. The only person we can change is ourselves. Understood. And I, I do want to apologize. I wish I could go on longer, but we are coming to a close here. Jim, if you have any more questions to ask, please feel free to do so. And once again, I do thank John for being a part of the program. Oh, yeah, it's terrific. I mean, John's an invaluable resource. He's a national treasure. He's the greatest pilot the world has ever known. Uh, he has realms of information about, you know, matters of which I am completely unaware. And, and I just find all of this utterly fascinating. Oh, it was amazing. I'm going to have to bring him back. We I just want to say, Jim, it's an honor to be on with you and to listen to you and, and talk to you. I've, uh, you've been my hero for a long time. I haven't read the book yet on uh, Sandy Hook, but I intend to shortly. Well, that, that the original, John, is actually downloadable for free because yeah. Amazon banned it uh, less than a month after it went on sale on the 22nd of October, 2015. A representative from Inside Edition said they wanted to interview me, but it was a ruse. They said they needed a pre-interview, and I found myself in what I'm convinced was a basement in Langley where I was being grilled about the book and after <laughs> and blown the case out of the water, they made the decision to ban it. But That's I released funny. it immediately for free as a PDF. So you can, you can get the first edition of the book, John, uh, for free. Uh, just enter Nobody Died at Sandy Hook. A friend of mine believes that, you know, maybe 10 million Copies of this have been downloaded, which obviously is overwhelmingly more than would ever have been sold. Okay, well, Jim, uh, I'm not very bright. Can you tell me how to get to the uh, where I need to download this thing? Just just go onto your browser and just enter the title. It'll automatically show up, John. I could just. And the title is. Nobody the title is. Died at Sandy Hook. If you can't find the John, I'll email you a link. Okay, email yeah. it to me because I can't yeah. hear him. Yeah, I'll just email you a link. And and by the way, John. Uh, Peter Robbins wanted me to say hello to you. Okay, great. I haven't seen him in a long time. That's what he told me. He hasn't seen you, and he was excited that you were going to be on the first half. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be on the second half here. Well, I've enjoyed it. Thanks, you both of you guys. It's been great. And uh, if you want me back, just yeah, give we'll, me a call. Yeah, we'll do it again. This was fun, and so much to get into. Okay, guys. Take it easy. All right. Take care, John. Super, John. Bye. Right. Real pleasure. And there he goes, Mr. John Lear. Very, very good interview there. It was fantastic well, to talk to him. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a challenge to appraise everything we hear from John because, you know, there's so many areas so where he's much. an yeah. indisputed expert about 
aircraft and flight, and you know he's uh, uh, become involved in areas which are utterly foreign to me. You know about the the moon, uh, extraterrestrials, uh, all of that is is something that uh, is just beyond my ken. It's mind blowing, uh, really. Well. Yeah, it's fascinating, utterly fascinating. I was I visited his website at the time when he was talking about it, and I made note of this uh, book. But you know, I mean, I earned my PhD in the history and the philosophy of science, and uh, the history of science is dominated by the history of physics and astronomy. And of course, right? You know, you, I mean, Copernicus, uh, Galileo. Kepler, the great, Newton, the great. You know, Einstein, these are major players in the history of science. And, mm-hmm. you know, when he cites a source, that suggests they have everything wrong. I mean, that, that's tough for me to, to oh, believe. Yeah. It challenges I mean, your whole paradigm. Well, of course. And that's why I specifically put it that way. So, oh, yes. you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll poke around and take a look. I've already sent a friend of mine who's a physicist and a very good colleague, uh, a link to the book, which I tracked immediately on Amazon.com. But I would have added to John, mm-hmm. um, but apparently couldn't hear that, you know, there's a, a second edition of the Sandy Hook book and also books about the Boston bombing. And the I'll, I'll send them, yeah, I'll send them all those links. And of Ooh, course, yeah, and yeah. All at moonrockbooks.com where we have a new book on Charlottesville that will be out in the next 10 days, by the way. Nice. Uh, by the Charlottesville way, it was a complete scam. Uh, it it mm-hmm. was a, a, a stage production in three acts. They had a, a torch-lit parade onto the campus of the University of G- Virginia Friday night, but that was just to draw the attention of the country to the to the community. Uh, then they yes. had this – the, the Charlottesville police were ordered to stand down so the protesters could be channeled by the state police into a direct and violent confrontation with the Antifa and Black Lives Matter, who were brought there by George Soros. Meanwhile, they had a completely fabricated stunt on an intersection there in town where they had when, – when you study, you find there were two cars, both of Dodge Challengers, one had a black stripe, one didn't, one had a sunroof, one didn't, two drivers, one of whom was a 20-year-old Patsy diagnosed as a schizophrenic on anti-drug medication who wore heavy prescription glasses, the other 32-year-old, very fit military guy who commands a battalion in, in Ohio who is actually the driver. And, and then there were, there were multiple takes to get it right. One was with only one vehicle, another w- with no others in the vicinity, other was with one vehicle with a black Toyota, but the peace neighbor resistance was a cl- collision involving three vehicles, a maroon van that had been sitting at the intersection for five minutes with no driver, they brought up a white van behind it at the time of the collision, no driver. Then he drove the vehicle into it. They photoshopped uh, the spectacular photograph that was on the cover of the New York Times, for example, with people flying in the air. Nothing like that happened. Right. Even the, even the two pilots who are supposed to have died in the helicopter crash, the plane did crash, but they survived it. We have photographs of them in their flight suits walking away from the scene. I mean, the, the whole thing was outrageous. Yeah, the whole a, thing is a, completely outrageous. And, and Jim... I hate to do this, but we are going on a little break right now. It's that time. Oh, I know, I know. It's that I little know. time. Thank you, Michael. It's a great pleasure being on with you, and a special, special privilege to be on with John. Oh, I mean, yes. He's meant so much to this country, and especially the history of aviation. Is 
the holder at one time, it may still be true, of 15 international speed records. Uh, no one has ever come close to comparing with him as a pilot. And he's an animal. It's fascinating. In, in, the, in, the, in the best sense possible, of course. I'm just saying that he has that prowess. Dedicated, disciplined, highly intelligent. Well, Michael, I want to thank you once again for featuring me. And as I say, it was a special uh, oh, yes. opportunity to be here with John Blair. Yeah, thanks for being here, Jim. And, of course, I'm going to have to bring you back on, and we'll tackle more of these issues. Sure. My 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 pleasure. Thanks, Michael. All right, Jim. Talk to you soon, my friend. Got it. All right, take care. And, of course, that was Mr. Fetzer. Great man. That was a fun interview, right? I enjoyed it. It is that time to go on a little break, though. So I'll be right back. In a moment here, don't go anywhere. That um, that Michael Deacon, he uh, he had the nerve to post. He had the nerve to uh, comment on some of my on some of my posts on my Damage in Kali Combatives page. And welcome back to the program. Thanks for being here. And yes, I'm actually kind of sick. If you haven't noticed, a little under the weather. Yet here I am, still delivering the product to you. And I believe I'll be joined by another voice here in a moment. Let's see what's going on. Or maybe I won't. The person go. whom you're trying to read. He's gone. He disappeared. Um, one thing I did want to mention was Peter Robbins won't be here tonight, unfortunately. We seem to have gotten times mixed up. That sort of thing happens every now and then. It's quite sad. But that indeed happens every now and then. And yes, we are live right now. Live and direct. Why am I hearing so much noise? All sorts of movement going on. I don't know where the, where the hell that came from. Uh, yuck, what's going on? What's going on? Do I sound like I have skin in the game? I was going to say, you asked me to call it. Does that mean I got skin in the game? <laughs> I, I think it does. <laughs> I what's think going it does. on, brother? I'm just having fun trying to do this program. I'm under the weather, a little sick, tiny bit sick here. I thought my son was upstairs about to play some music. I was going to go up there and kick him <laughs> in his shit. Everybody else is sleeping. What's oh, up, man? What's your kid doing? Shouldn't he be asleep? Oh, man, he turns 15. He just turned 15 at midnight over here. Oh, no shit. It's his birthday. Yeah. Well, tell him tell him I said happy birthday. Heck, yeah, I will, man. We're going to make him a fucking um, two booby cakes tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> I got nice. The, pants. <laughs> the cake booby pants. That's cool. Hell, yeah. I'm going to go buy him some, like, underoos. Mm-hmm. Some freaking weird <laughs> wear. That's funny. <laughs> you know, like a He-Man underwear. I guess they don't have He-Man anymore. I can't think. Maybe some Blues Clues. Blues Clues? Blues Clues underwear for him. Yeah, just slip him a hundred bucks. He likes that? No, it's a joke, obviously. Well, I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know him. <laughs> 15, yeah. I don't know your son. I don't know that guy. <laughs> I don't know what he's into. Oh, shit, man. Just think of his father. You think he's still wearing fucking Blue's Clues underwear? Holy shit. No, I, I don't even, I don't even want to know what kind of underwear he's wearing. Who, who knows? Yes. Yeah. yeah, them fuckers. <laughs> so how have you been, man? I haven't talked to you in a few, in a, in a while, actually. Yeah, I know. Last time we talked, we just made fun of Max Pohl the whole fucking time. He, ooh. I don't think he liked that. <laughs> He kept he kept bringing it up. I know. I think he fucking really liked it, though. Well, either he liked it or he's plotting his revenge as we speak. One or Dude, the other. Go ahead. Oh, I played it. I I played our conversation. Oh God. We fucking made fun of Max, uh, and it was just Michael and I talking. 
I'm like, yeah, I'm going to record this because neither one of us shut the hell up. And I played it at the end of one of our shows. I think it was last Saturday. And he joined in and listened to the whole fucking thing. He listened to the whole thing? Yeah, but you see, I just hit play and then I went upstairs, took a shower, and I went and took a shower and I was listening back. (laughs) And that's when we started talking really bad about his guests. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, when we started making fun of them. Yeah, and I was like, oh, shit, I better hurry the fuck up and run downstairs and turn this shit <laughs> off because I didn't remember everything we said. That was my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, because we went in on the Wookiee Mom pretty hard. Oh, God, the <laughs> Wookiee <know>. Mom. <laughs> I don't understand who would want to interview her. <laughs> she's got skin in the game. And she's got skin in the game. That's right. Man. Apparently. <laughs> Holy crap. You get up skin in the game to get on skin oh. in the dark. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. No, he was laughing the whole time in the chat room. Yeah, I'm sure he enjoyed that though. Like, you fuckers. <laughs> it, it was fun. It was in good taste. Yes, it was. It's Very not like I, it's not like I asked him to watch me shower. <laughs> no, but we started talking about how Max Cole was the fucking Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, just come here and watch me shower. My name is Max Cole. Max Weinstein, <laughs> you mean? <laughs> yes, dude, Max Weinstein. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, because we fucking uh, you know, started comparing him to fucking Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, uh, Max is a director, so yeah, we're going to have to go at him like that. Hell yeah. We said, yeah, we, uh. Well, it's we only proper. Of course. <laughs> Just come here and watch me shower. <laughs> Let me see your skin in the game. Uh, he's, uh, your foreskin in the game. Yeah. By the way, I did want to ask you about Kevin Spacey. Oh, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Did you, my God, can you believe it? Kevin Spacey of all people, even though we already knew he was gay, we, we knew he was a, another Ellen John. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucked up, man. Um, so that Anthony is Anthony Rapp, right? That's the guy's name. I believe so. Yeah. And um, I heard what I heard is, dude, that Spacey carried him to the bed. Yeah, he carried him and then laid on him or some shit. So you heard what I heard, right? Right. Yeah, it's just crazy how it just came out, and some of the media was like, "Oh yeah, he's gay now," and and doesn't say anything about. <laughs> he was with a 14-year-old motherfucker. That's getting pretty young. What? That's pretty young. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. I live with 14 and 15-year-olds, man. Fuck that. Yeah, so that must really, yeah, that must really, like, mess with your head a little bit. You're just constantly thinking there's some sick bastards out there. Because they're still acting like kids, too. I mean, freshman year, high school, eighth grade. They're yeah, still you're still a kid. Middle. Yeah, they're still a fucking kid. Yeah. That's still really young, man. It's pretty, it's pretty, pretty fucked up. It's pretty damn you see, young. The, you see any of the crazy memes about uh, it? No, I haven't. I, I need to do that. Yeah, there's like, That's uh, funny. some of, there's like one of Hitler. It was like, oh no. I don't remember, uh, <laughs> burning anybody. I was drunk. Sure. And I'm coming out as, and I'm going to live as a gay guy now. <laughs> you know, it's just making fun of like, hey, I did this crazy shit, but I was drunk and I don't remember it. But I'm a gay guy now, and I'm gonna live like this. I mean, have was, you have you really done anything when you were drunk and you don't remember it? Have you oh, ever? Yeah. <laughs> you ever blacked out like that though? Fuck yeah! I now, me too. I, I blacked out yeah. a lot of times, really. Yes, dude. I can't handle hard liquor. That shit makes me go. Oh yes, the the liquor and the rum, that stuff will get you. That shit is scary. Oh, it's really scary when the room is spinning and you can't make it stop. Fuck. That is pretty scary stuff. You wake up at home. 
I have no yeah, idea how you got there. I, that's happened a couple times to me. Yeah, that's right. happened a couple times to me. Um, and by the way, there was that Richard Dreyfus, his son, it says uh, Kevin Spacey groped him when he was 18 years old. Oh, really? And with his dad nearby. Wow. That's even more fucked up. So there is more, obviously there's more people coming out. Yeah, there's more than 10 men to accuse Spacey of sexual assault. Already, but to me too, say. That's wild stuff. And of course, there goes his uh, series with Netflix. Yep, I heard that's fucking gone. That's gone. House of Cards, of course, he was the, the star of the show. And, and now he's gone, just like that. I'm glad, dude. Fucking get all these kid fuckers the fuck out of here. I agree. I don't like that shit at all, dude. Yeah, it's... It's pretty dark. It's pretty dark stuff there. Hell yeah. It's um just like we were talking about two weeks ago. We're we're looking forward to the more or more people that is gonna fucking Oh yeah, there's gonna be more. We're watching Hollywood eat itself. So, you know, as someone who hates celebrities, th- this is fun for me. Fuck yeah. Fuck. I'm having a fucking ball laughing. Well, not laughing at the victims, but just laughing in general that so many people have been quiet, yet, yet no one wanted to do anything. It's just, it's pathetic, really. That's why I exactly. hate celebrities. Yep, that, it, yeah, you hit it right on the head. It's not funny about the fucking shit that happened or the victim of, uh, in the situation, but it's funny and it's good that all this shit is fucking finally being put out there. They're getting what they deserve. That's what's going yeah, on. Yeah, you're damn right. Being accountable for the shit that they've done. It is wild, though. You know, I never figured it would be Kevin Spacey, of all people. See, now... That's what trips me out. It was like the manifest of fucking uh, um, Jeffrey Epstein and going... um, people When he'd be flying people on the Lolita Express to Pedophile Island. When that shit came out last summer, they said Clinton was on there and Kevin Spacey was on there. I'm like, why the fuck would Kevin Spacey be? (laughs) Right. And now all of a sudden this came and I was like, damn, okay. Birds of a feather. Exactly. Isn't that fucking crazy? It really is. It really is. And I always knew that Jeffrey Epstein was bad news and anyone surrounding themselves with him is just as bad. But of course, I've been saying that for a while now. And everyone that I talk to who is a right wing wacko, they don't like that. They get kind of offended by that when I bring that up. They don't like that whole birds of a feather feather thing. They don't like that shit. Oh, fuck what they don't like, right? (laughs) Well, yeah, I don't really care if my guests uh, agree or disagree with me. That's not the point. I would wish them to not agree with me because then this show would be a lot more interesting. Um, I I like fighting, by the way. You know, I love conflict, so. I love conflict, too. Oh, I fucking love it, but most people here never want to bring it. Yeah, well, there was a look. I mean, Grandpa and Grandpa fucking crime earlier. Oh, they fighting for a minute. They went at it for a second. Wasn't that fantastic? Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that shit was fun. I got to get them to fight again like that. Oh, yeah. See, it's good when you have other people on, like two at one or two other guests, and then you could, like, mediate the shit. A little threesome (laughs) action? Or else play the devil's advocate, try to throw them off like that. Yeah, that's always fun, too. Yeah. But I didn't think they would, um, I didn't think they would disagree on anything, really. Oh, but they did. And I'm glad you listened to that, by the way. I wasn't sure if you were. Yeah, yeah, I was listening. I'm sure you were like, what the hell are these people talking about? Fuck it, dude, that's how a lot of, like, when I listen to your show, I think that a lot. I'm sure you're thinking, what the fuck is this? See, I love the conspiracy shit and the, and the crazy shit and, you know, the stuff that makes you think otherwise or, you know, the stuff that we're not taught. Um, but holy fuck, man, you've had some crazy fuckers on your show, bro. That's very true. 
<laughs> that is very, very true. Lots of uh, lots of lunatics have been on this program. Hell yeah. That is a fact. No lie there. Um I, I had a weird uh I had a weird thought the other night, by the way. Tell me. It it just came over me and um let's see, how do I put this without without looking like a big asshole? But then again, I am an asshole, so why am I hiding that? Yeah, man. No PCs shit around here, Michael. Right. Right. So, have you... yourself, baby. All right. So, uh, I have to ask you this. Uh, You've known a lot of people in your life, lots of different personality types. Um, You've known, I'm pretty sure, you've known, like, tall, fat guys, right? Oh, yeah. Like, tall, fat dudes, pretty wide. A lot of them in Wisconsin. Okay. Have you noticed that a lot? Well, I don't know if a lot of them, but the ones I've come across, they all have... You know, pretty good sense of, you know, they have a good sense of humor. They're, they're kind of funny. Okay. Some of the, some of the ladies like them because they're friendly and non predatorial. Yeah. You, you've come across that, right? Yeah. I've got buddies like that. Yeah. Don't you think that's, that's, that's kind of messed up a little bit? <laughs> Why? Because these women, they, they sort of give like a false impression on these guys sometimes. Not some of the big guys, they, they get it, but uh, some of them, they don't. Mm, so some you're of saying, them don't. Like, you're saying so being f- they friend zone them. They friend zone them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Immediately. Yeah. Have you have you noticed that? Fuck yeah, man. Women are crazy. You. you that, I'm, all I'm saying is you gotta you gotta have friends with tall fat guys every now and then. Yeah. Why? Well, because women aren't afraid to talk to them. Oh, They're not okay. intimidated by that. Yeah. You know, the girls yes. don't look at me and, and they don't say, "Oh, I'm gonna friend zone that guy." Oh, why? What do you look like, baby? Well, I kind of look like Max Cole. <laughs> black. I'm black. <laughs> I'm a black man. Hey, motherfucker, you're a black guy. I'm a black guy. <laughs> He's a reptilian black-shaped shifter. <laughs> Correct. No, but it's just, it's something that I, it's something that I, that I noticed a few days ago. I, I just thought, you know, I have these friends and I, I talked to some of these girls who were friends with them and I get that kind of sense where, so, I would say mm-hmm. I would say not just that stereotypical physical. It is. A, I don't want nice a stereotype, guy. but that's kind. Yeah, the the nice guy angle. Yeah, yeah. Just like, hey, I don't really know. Women what. have never had that vibe from me. I I just want to. I just trying to make that clear. I I don't know why. I haven't been seen that way like the the tall fat guys. Yeah. That's the point I'm trying to make here. Me neither, man. I'm always a loud little guy. Loud small guy. Fucking a. How tall are you, by the way? Five six. You're five six. Fuck yeah. I'm five ten. Holy shit, dude! I'd come up to your nipple, maybe. Probably. No. Let you milk me a little bit. <laughs> of course. Let you watch me shower. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll have a drink of water. A drink. Oh man, what, what a sick bastard that guy is, by the way. Touched my breast last week, Michael Deacon. I didn't like it. You know, I'm waiting for the uh, sexual assault allegations to be released on me. I need some press. There we go. Any any press is good press for me, man. You know, I don't even care. I, I don't even give a shit. Daniel is about to come out with some fucking. He's gonna say shit. I raped him. Yeah, uh, say I, I, I the show. put two fingers in there. <laughs> you raped me. Uh, <laughs> love that. <laughs> By the way, I'm looking at a photo that just popped up here. Um, are you familiar with the what's her face, Frederica Wilson? Frederick O. Wilson. Let me Google. Have you that. seen that that woman? She she's been fighting with Donald Trump for a while. She's from Florida. She's always wearing like that little cowboy hat. 
Yeah, I've seen her before. Yes, <laughs> her in her hat. Yeah. Oh man, you know, it's I'm fun. I'm wondering if I ever get up in that age, am I going to be wearing ridiculous outfits like that? I'm going to be wearing a hat. No, there's something clearly wrong with this. Yeah, there's something wrong with her. I'd have to imagine. She, of course, brought up. Uh, I guess she brought up uh, Baron Trump into the into some sort of um feud that she has going on with uh, the president. This is recent. Yeah, this is recent. I don't know why she would bring up his son, though. Yeah, I'm looking right now. She just got back to Washington after facing threats. Frederick L. Wilson is back. I'm, I'm, I'm relieved. <laughs> her and her hats are back here. Oh, representative. I'm relieved she's back. So she got threats after saying something uh, that had something to do with Baron Trump, huh? I'm not exactly sure if that's the reason why. She said something stupid. Is that pretty much Yeah, it? she said something dumb. You know, that's something I, I try not to do, bring up anyone's kids. And she's a fucking representative? What is she? She's some sort of Democrat, I believe. Yeah, so she's actually elected to fucking Senate? I mean, what's her actual position? I think she's just some sort of, um, you know, good question. What the hell does she do? All I know <laughs> is that she's some, all I know is that she's some, uh, Democrat from Florida. That's all I know about her, to be honest. I never really bothered to look uh, too much into her because I would see her and I just think, what the fuck is United this? United States representative, an American politician who has been a member of the United, who has, has been a member of the United States House of Representatives since 2011. So it's so, alright, I want to see exactly what she said. What did she say? All I know is that she brought up her son, or his son rather. Oh, I think I'm seeing it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Kill Baron? She said something about killing Baron? Somebody's trying to kill Baron Trump. Is that what she said? I don't know. Anybody in the chat room knows what we're talking about? I think Star probably knows. I don't think she likes she says, um, this one. What the hell are you guys talking about? That Star in <laughs> the chat room. So maybe she has no idea what the fuck we're talking about. She typed that in there earlier, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Before we started talking about this. Yeah, she. I, if I recall, she's not not very happy. She's asking who. See, I'm finding things from October. It's all over the place. This chick talks a lot of shit, huh? Yeah, she she's just always talking shit. All right, so it's just crazy. Even um someone that's in the House of Representatives can run their mouth like this. I don't remember this being or anybody being able to say a lot of this crazy stuff. Well, about our president, our president, he he says he said a lot of crazy shit. Yeah, it's just, it's just fucked up, ain't it? It really is. There's a guy. I'm trying to remember his name. Um, I think it's David Clark. That's that racist guy? He's like a sheriff. Oh, the black guy. Yeah, yep. David Clark. He's always wearing like a cowboy hat. Yeah. I remember he was like talking shit about her on Twitter. And I wrote to him, I wrote to him, I thought, you know, I said, I'm surprised. I thought you two would be friends because you guys wear like the same outfits. <laughs> I don't think he liked that comment. <laughs> yeah, David Clark, that's his name. Yeah, he was a Milwaukee sheriff here in Wisconsin. Yeah, there he is with the little hat. <laughs> He's with his little hat. And, and this guy was taking shots at, at this woman here. And I'm just like, you you fuckers look alike with the fucking hat and the pathetic outfits you guys wear. Yeah, this guy's a little off his rail. Or what? No shit. He looks fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like him. I don't like him or her. Yeah, she looks like something. Yeah. She so looks I wonder how much how, how much of the fucking... Um, People tax money she pays for them fucking hats. Star saying that uh, Clark is definitely not racist. He just hates white people. That's a joke. That's a joke. Star lineup. But yeah, um, I 
I, I've heard him talk a couple of times. He's um very uptight. Yeah, I've seen him on Alex Jones going crazy. Oh God, he was on on the Alex Jones show. I think a few times. That's funny. <laughs> you know, and I he's got the uh, direct line to the president now. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, that Roger Stone, he um got banned from Twitter not that long ago. I remember. Is he still banned? Yeah, I think he's still banned. I think he called someone a cocksucker. <laughs> I, I've heard worse though, and I've been called worse. Uh, of course. So I can't believe that happened. Roger, Twitter, man. Roger Stone crazy. was uh, clearly fired up, and uh, I'm not sure if he was sober when he wrote that. He was probably drinking. He looks like he likes to drink. Yeah, I'm sure he was. Well, you know, who hasn't had a few drinks and uh, you'd get on Twitter randomly and you'd say some shit? I just I just want to know what's up with his zebra chair and his zebra um couch and his zebra <laughs> uh, fucking rug. You haven't seen him lately on Alex Jones when he's broadcasting from his I house? I haven't. I don't even want to know what's going on in, in the privacy of his home. He looks so crazy because his head is, like, really close. He's got his head tilted forward towards the camera, and he's got that weird look on his face that he always has. And it's just a big white room with a bunch of zebra shit all oh over Oh, my place. God. His white hair. <laughs> Basically, his room is tailored to the likes of Liberace. Oh, yeah, exactly, man. Oh, my God. I think it's Sex Kitten MK uh, Ultra. Oh, no. You know, he he was also pretty radical, and I'm sure he still is. Just, you know, a little bit more closeted, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, there's a lot of those in Hollywood and in political circles. The ones who are always the loudest of uh, these certain issues usually are the ones who do these things. Yeah, what's-his-face looks gay, too, McCain? He, he's probably sucked a few dicks in his life. I think he has, man. He's, he's had I mean, a dick he... in his mouth. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> pretty sure. He looks the type. He does, man. Yeah, he does. He'll, he'll fucking nothing wrong say with that, though. what he tells him to say, too. Nothing wrong with that, though. Oh, yeah. It's just it's just for these guys. Some people fucking... make some people make great money putting a penis in their mouth. <laughs> so can't fault them for getting their hustle on. My name is Max Pohl. <laughs> I like skin in my mouth. And this is Max Max Cole. <laughs> skin in the game. Yeah, skin in the game. He's, uh, just watch me shower. Put some, <laughs> put some skin oh, in my mouth. Jesus. <laughs> some foreskin in my mouth. I'm sorry. Good I had Lord. to get dirty because of Max Paul. Uh, well, we know you. I knew we had to get dirty somehow, so <laughs> it's only appropriate. It's only appropriate. Second half of the program, that's when we let our hair down and yep. uh, we say things that we're going to regret later on. Mm-hmm. Or at least I am. <laughs> you know, you know. Um, this reminds me. I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's been quite a few relationships that have gone down the drain because of this program. And because of the things I say on here, I um, believe it. I'm not sure if that's that shocking to you, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I've known you for about what five years now. I about believe five it. years, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really like to disclose I do this. To be honest, it's fun. No one, nobody I know is listens to my shit. It's always a bunch of crazy people around the fucking globe, just like bunch of wild people on the internet. You goddamn right, man. That's always the best, though. Mm-hmm. It's always fun. Hey, relationships come and go. They really do. They really do. I, like I said, it's, it's, it's been a, a number of, um, women that I've dated. And of course, once they find out about this, it's pretty much over. <laughs> it's pretty much a done deal. Why? Um, I, I don't think they know that, um, I'm pretty unfiltered, you know, on here. 
And um, when I talk to some of these girls, I'm very filtered. So it's pretty shocking once they hear this shit, to say the least. Oh, so you don't act like yourself in front of these girls. You're not your true self. Is that what you're trying to tell us, Michael? Well, I'm my true self, but, you know, there's certain things you don't want to say. You know, there's, there's, there's a couple things you just don't want to say. Like what? That Give are better left unsaid. Okay. So you get, so you just get a little bit more raunchy when you're on here. Uh, sometimes, but that's not always the case. Okay. So what's the case? Tell me. Oh, well, just, um, certain, certain viewpoints I have. Okay. And sometimes those come out here, of course. And, uh, some of these girls, they, they, they get kind of angry. Well, that will happen. Yeah. Meeting anybody, those viewpoints could come out while you're at dinner at their fucking parents' well, house. Right. And that's what you want to avoid. You never want to get into that sort of situation where one will have to say these things. And if you do, um, don't tell the truth about what your real opinion is. Because <laughs> it's just going to go south. Yeah, that is my advice. That fucking is my advice. I'm telling you. Yeah, my advice is the total opposite. Be be the total truth. Then these motherfuckers will Tr- trust me. Hang out trust me. I did that once. Actually, I did that a couple times. Um. This is a fun story. You know, I always tell guys, don't go into a whole um, group situation with multiple women. Um, if you're going to go out with one, um, just do that. But don't go off on <clears throat> one of these wild goose chases where you're invited to go and talk to all her friends. Because basically it's going to end up, um, they're going to end up questioning, uh, questioning you. They're going to interrogate you. Okay. And that's exactly what happened. I didn't listen to my own rules, and I ended up going to, um, I think it was like an Applebee's or some shit. At Applebee's? Yeah, and like, yeah. I don't really, I didn't really know this girl, but she was beautiful. Yeah. Very pretty girl. I, I just thought, I was, I was a sucker. I just thought, fuck it, I'm just gonna go and just, you know, I'm gonna seal the deal. I, that's what I thought. And you got bombarded? Right. I got bombarded, and everything was going well. I'm, I'm on the table sitting there with with the friends and and her next to me and everything's going well and then the conversation took a weird turn okay um one of the girls asked me so what happened um in your previous relationship and i just looked at her and i'm just like oh well i i don't think i should be telling you about that i told her and you know that was not a good answer everyone just looked at me like if i just slapped the baby Yeah, they fucking looked at me like if I just committed a sin. Yeah, the best answer for that is, hey, it just didn't work out, and we're good now. Right, but it it, it triggered me because I just thought I gotta say it triggered the fuck out of me though. I just thought, who the hell is this bitch? Tell me anything. <laughs> okay, now I understand. Yeah, why you say it lie? I got triggered there, and not to mention uh, the girl that I went with. I got kind of annoyed by her because um, at one point she wanted to charge her phone and she like literally got on the floor and like crawled to the little power outlet there. And, you know, we're in a restaurant. And, wow. Yeah. And I'm just like, um, how old were these girls? Harvey Weinstein? No, it wasn't. It wasn't that young. <laughs> she she was she was about 25, 24. Yeah. Okay. But I just thought. In my head, I just thought, aren't you a little too old to be crawling around on the floor like that? So, you know, I was kind of put off by all that shit. And um I said, well, excuse me, I'm going to go to the bathroom. So, you know, I'm in the bathroom, I'm taking a piss, and I'm like, you know, this is not going well. 
um, when I come back to the table, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be myself. So that's exactly what I did. And, um, to, to sum it up really quickly, <laughs> of course I never talked to her again after that. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, those things will happen, man. Especially if you're getting turned off. Fuck it, man. That was my whole perspective. Yeah, damn right. I, I just thought, you know what? I can't, I'm not going to be able to do this one. I'm just going to go out there and I'm just going to just fuck it up. And that's what I did. I went out there and I just did my thing. See, that's that, too many. Oh, oh, fuck it, man. I, I don't like, I don't like, um, if, if a woman turns me off by how she's acting, I'm done. Like I can't just still. That's what it was. I got grossed out. Yeah, man. Like I got grossed be, out. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I just thought you're too old to be doing this, woman. Of course, here's the, here's another thing I forgot to mention. She was also this hardcore like Christian woman, so you know we didn't really get into that. Yeah, I avoided all of that. Yeah, well, it's a good thing you got out of there. Those are the most judgmental um people on the planet, by the way. The Roman Catholics. The the Christians. Oh, the Christians. Yeah, they're very doesn't judgmental. What? what was that? I was gonna say it doesn't matter what um denomination they are just whatever christians huh yeah I, I honestly think so i think they're very judgmental at least the ones i've been around yeah there's a lot of them yeah so you know like, like i like i said i already knew i was going to be judged uh, about everything so i i just thought you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna tank this thing here now so i was extremely witty and fast with my response about everything I, any, any question I was asked, I was just shooting something off and it was, it was awful. It was the most, it was the most awful what, thing, things I'm ever. That's okay. You can laugh. And <laughs> I just see what Bobby fucking wrote. He oh, was yeah. coloring the walls at Danny. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, my man. <laughs> oh, shit. By the way, I, I can't believe I'm, I'm doing this program. I'm very sick. No doubt. Well, I'm fucking like, hey, man. I'm like dying here, but that's okay. The show must go on. Oh, well, I'm glad that you let me hang out, man. I'm yeah. glad I finally got some skin in the game. Some skin in the game here. Be a part of something. <laughs> <laughs> Get some skin in the game. <laughs> Should we call Max? That's so funny. He's grubbing at the Panda Express. He's at Pan yeah, he's in a parking lot somewhere. <laughs> he's he's asking a uh, he's asking some woman if um she knows who he is. Yeah, don't embarrass me here. Just oh, don't embarrass me here. Oh, that's funny. Holy shit! All the time to Panda Express. <laughs> I wish I had um, I wish I had audio for that. Play that tape with the Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude, that fucker's a scumbag. Eh? He really is. He really is. It's it's remarkable that it's gone on this long. It's funny how they they're just like, yeah, send him to a sex club or <laughs> something. Uh, um, a rehab, a sex rehab center. Oh yeah, like that's gonna work. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I want to go to one where, or, or what I heard is he said, I want to go to one where I can still use my cell phone. Oh God, he's he's got to <laughs> masturbate. <laughs> he's got to have control of the back page. He's got to shoot one out. Oh, Littleboysforum.com. You know, speaking of uh, perverted <laughs> bastards, yeah. um, disgraced the former congressman Anthony Weiner. Has to report to federal prison on Monday. Good for him. The uh, 53-year-old was sentenced to 21 to 27 months in prison for sexting a 15-year-old girl. Um, and I believe, get this, this is like a, a medical prison, by the way. So he's going to be in there playing ping pong for fucking 21 months? Exactly. What a fucking pussy. This is whack. 
The facility houses more than 1,100 male inmates who require medical or mental health care. It offers sex offender treatment, which we all know does not work. The fact that he's getting off this easy should repulse everyone tremendously. Fuck yeah. Yeah, it's pathetic. It's pathetic as fuck that he's going to some white-collar-ass fucking prison. Yeah, that's bullshit. Send his ass to fucking Rikers. Yeah, send him to a real place. Ah, Mm -hmm. What's up with, um, what, Huma? Aberdeen? No, 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 no. What's his wife's name? Poor woman, by the way. Is that her name? Yeah, she had to put up with that guy. That's terrible. I wonder what's up with her. Uh, Well, who knows what's going on with her? You know, we don't really, we don't really know her, so there could be things going on behind closed doors. Yeah, man. It's not prevalent to uh, the media, so. There's um, a badass a YouTube. A lot of freaks my, out there. Yeah, there's a badass YouTube documentary about her and how she's connected with a bunch of, like, cause she's from Saudi Arabia. Yeah, crazy bitch. Yeah, I know. There's, there's a really cool ever, documentary ever, on YouTube about you ever, how she's um, Have you ever dated any, any women from, you know, Hell no. That are, Saudi Arabia? Though. Yeah, that are like from out there. Uh-uh. Not no, not in Middle Eastern. Not no Middle Eastern pussy. Not for me. <laughs> Back in high school, there was like this Indian chick I dated. She's yeah. all right. But I, she's not Middle Eastern, but I'm just saying she's like this, you know, like an Indian chick. I don't, I don't know if you ever, if you ever, um, ran through any of that kind of trim. No, not that one. I'm Asian, Mexican, white women, black girls. Indians, well, Native Americans. Native Indians. Oh, yeah. There's... Oh, man, I live right by a reservation. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. Mm-hmm. The Oneida Reservation. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. You go over there and get drunk? Hell no, I don't go on the res. <laughs> you go over there and get all drunk, blackout? If I want to go pick up some crack, I might go there. You wake up sore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so funny. You're going to have a good time out there at a, as a, at a reservation, I'm sure. Of course. Act wild as fuck. Yeah, my son was just volunteering at a haunted house on the res. At a haunted house on the res? Really? Yeah, last week. Last weekend. What's that like? Did you go in there? Yeah, it was a church. I used to volunteer at that one when I was a kid. You were going to church? No, I used to volunteer at that haunted house. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to church, church. You know, not volunteering. You were, you know. I used to go to church, church. Church, church? I can't even say that word. Church. Church. Church's chicken. Church's chicken. No. So you, I can't even imagine you going to church. That's just weird. Well, as a kid. Oh. Yeah. As a kid, though. Not yeah. not later on in your adult life. One time. <laughs> oh, Lord. What was that like? Did you break down and cry? No, I actually played um, Joseph in the Christmas play. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wish there were photos of that. There are. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, yeah. I got to see that. I'll, I might let you. If you just come in here and watch me shower, I'll bless you. I knew that was coming. <laughs> man, you got skin in the game, man. I got skin in the game. And, um, you know, I, I was going to tell this story, um, like earlier on and the past couple shows since, you know, it was, it was Halloween. It was October, all that shit. Um, yeah. something really strange happened to me uh, a few nights back. I, I was, I was hanging out with my, my father. We were watching the TV show The Preacher, season two. Did you did you watch that show, by the way? Nope, I have no idea about it. It's a badass show, The Preacher. All kinds of um, crazy shit goes on. I think actually you would like it. 
I'll fucking look it up, man. I need a new show. Oh, trust me, you're gonna you're gonna dig it. They're already um two seasons deep, if I recall. So look oh. that up. So we're watching this we're watching this TV show, me and my dad, and um I'm not sure if you remember this, but I always said there's something strange in my parents' house. Uh in terms of it being possibly haunted to some degree. Some okay. strange yeah, some strange shit has happened and so you were at his, you were at their house watching yeah. the preacher? Yeah. Okay. I'm watching the preacher with him and something bizarre happened. Now there's a table a few feet away, um, from the couch there. There's letters, bills, all, you know, all sorts of shit on the table. And on the table, there's like a plate of mangoes, right? Okay. And during the show, everything's going normal. Out of nowhere, I saw the fucking mango fly off the table. Flew, flew off the table. Where did it land? Um, like a few feet away, towards like the the kitchen area there. So it wasn't something in your brain. No, my my dad saw it too. Float. We both saw this thing happen. Right on. What did your dad say? He was he was like, "What the hell was that?" He was freaked out too. Yeah. Uh, originally we thought we both thought like my mom might have like thrown it or something, or but then again we were like, she's not even here, so. We both don't know what the hell that was. We were both basically speechless. Has your dad seen anything or felt anything hmm. besides this? Like you said, you've always yeah. Thought. I he he hasn't said anything. Maybe he has. I'm not sure. I'll ask him though. It's a good, well, what, good what made you think this way about your parents' house? Well, I've I've had experiences there, like like my my grandmother who passed away, and um about um two three months later I. Thought I heard her in the kitchen there. I, I told this story a bunch of times on the show. Okay, right on. Yeah, so you know I'm not not entirely sure what that was or what could have caused that. I just think it was something unusual. Dude, the fucking fruit is just all of a sudden flying. It flew off. <laughs> fucking flew there's off. Yeah, there's something else going on. Either if it's ghosts or. You know, other entity, entities from another fucking dimension. Yeah, and you know, shit. And, and the, and the, the TV was loud. So I thought, oh, oh, okay. So it must have been some sort of like a vibration of sorts that caused the mango to fly. But then I thought, well, wouldn't the other mangoes fly too? If that was the case, wouldn't, wouldn't the, the plate move or something, the table or anything of that nature? You were looking for, uh... I was looking for every clue I could, but. Yeah. Everything stayed there and just the fucking mango flew. Yeah, it was, I, I don't know. What the hell it is going to mango fly? Not not any wind? No. <laughs> no, it was wind. And it was mom. She wasn't making fun of you guys? Nah, she wasn't even in the house. Okay. So, don't know what it could have been. I, I I just think um, if I had a better explanation, I would have given it to you now, but yeah. nothing. See, I've never seen anything like that. I've only heard of, heard of shit, you know, from people that, like, I know my mom said some stuff that's happened at her job, but you know, I've never, I've never had any experience like that. Yeah, my mom, my mom actually has told me something about working at a, at uh, some sort of restaurant when she was younger, and they would, the owner told her that they would hear things, and one night they they did hear things. You told me about this before. Yeah, I think. yeah, I think I might have. Our memory, it's working. I know our memory is is uh, Wait, in full effect it, tonight. Fucking a! How'd that happen? 
I think that might have been like the first time I was on the show with you and Daniel. We talked about that. Yeah, maybe, maybe years ago. Yeah, but I, I do remember telling you a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Fucking weird, right? Fucking a. Because you know, I, I tell these these stories, and and I think, um, I think uh, the people listening probably think I'm crazy as shit. Yeah. Because you know, I'm I'm I was listening to that Tom DeLonge. Uh, talking about UFOs in an interview, and I just thought, fuck, I hope I don't sound as dumb as this guy does. Who is Tom DeLong? He is uh, the singer of uh, Blink-182. So on Rogan's podcast? Yeah, someone sent me a clip of that, and I just thought, oh, my fuck. No, dude, he sounded like a fucking complete moron, man. He sounded like a fucking retard, and I just thought, please, I hope I don't sound that awful. Oh, dude, he was, like, horrible. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, even even when Rogan asked him, about, he stunk on ice. It was so bad. Even when Rogan asked him about his company, he's just like, "Well, I got, I got this, these guys." He's like, Rogan was like, "So, what is your company going to do?" I mean, that's pretty much what he was saying. And and all the guy kept saying was, "I got this guy, for, you know, he's he's from the military and mm. blah 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 blah." Yeah. Like, never straight answer is what yeah. I'm trying to get to. Right. Yeah. He he wasn't giving anything, and then he kept referring to his book. Yep. That was just, it was pretty awful to listen to. I felt kind of embarrassed for him. Yeah, yeah, you could tell Rogan was like, ugh. Yeah, it was just so pretentious. Especially if you watch him on YouTube, you could just see, you could see, what's his name again? Tom DeLong. All right, so you could see Tom fucking feeling uncomfortable, getting into it like, uh, I don't know, man. You, you, you could just, you know, when you're talking to somebody that you've known for a long time and they start lying about something, you yeah. just like, oh, come on. I just could tell he was full of shit. Yeah. And I don't know if it's his, his fault or the, the people that might have got into so, his uh, ear. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I don't God, know. He sounds like a lot of people that don't know what they're talking about, but want to sound like they do. Well, There's correct. a lot of them on YouTube, especially talking about aliens and the government. So it's just like, I felt that way with him. You know how you come around some fucking YouTube videos and it's like, all right, I can't listen to this no, guy. Oh, trust me. There, there's a lot. And you know, I'm glad you brought that up because it brings me to another important, um, important little, um, topic here. So glad you brought it up. I have a, a devious plan. It's a very evil plan. Yuck. <laughs> okay. And I can't wait to share it with you. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Oh, really? Yes, this is going to be good. There's a network out there that they promote and they have like a little network, a, a little 24-7 network. Right on. A compilation of, of shows that are about the paranormal and conspiracies, you know, all that shit. And yep. um, they were asking me to be a part of this um, network for a very long time. They were asking me for months. And I just ignored them, and, and finally I said, no thanks, I don't want to be a part of this program. Not because of you, but because of the shows that are on there, you know, there. Um, and we're talking about Lifetime Network, right? No, we're talking about, like, network. yeah, we're, we're talking about a network that stinks, basically. <laughs> okay, but, keep going. But um, I had this brilliant plan the other night. I'm laying down in bed, and I'm thinking, you know what would be fun if I actually went and said, hey, I want to be on your network, and on the very first night that I'm on the network, I just fucking completely 180 on their ass and just start fucking burying every fucking show on there. Hell yeah. You like that? Fuck yeah. I, I fucking love it. I was I was laughing fucking hysterically, and you know I was coughing and laughing, and I'm just like, oh, God, I'm so evil. 
Dude, I love that type of this shit. This is the most evilest thing I've ever thought of. Man, that's some Andy Kaufman type shit. So, so I'm just going to get on there and I'm just going to bury every show that's on the network. I'm going to start off like I do every show, but after like the 10, 15 minutes, I'm just going to just fucking <laughs> bury everyone. Do you still start off the shows like you used to when, when you had Daniel with you? Of course. <laughs> I do it. It's the over the top intro that I got to do. I'm trying to think of it right now in my head. I used to be able to say it. I remember sometimes I used to repeat back like. Why not? <laughs> what you would say? Why don't you repeat it? Babylon. <laughs> oh, I don't. That's just fucking dumb. <laughs> Is that was that Daniel? Yeah, that's his dumb shit. <laughs> fucking idiot. Awful. The most awful thing ever. <laughs> that's why I never stuck because it stunk. I know it was funny, man, because it's like I always wondered why both of you had an intro like that. Because he's an idiot. So, yeah, well, it's like he had a, like it was so different, and not like intertwined with each other to be the show. It's like, hey, I'm here, and then it's like, yep, and then it's like all of a sudden the um the host takes over. Oh well, that's the point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just awful. I know, I know you fuckers. So I'm over here like making fun of you to myself and just laughing. It's all right. <laughs> like what I used to listen back to. I make shows. fun of myself all the time. I make fun of you guys. Yeah, I make fun of myself and everyone else, so. There you go. Hell yeah. I like it. It's a good time. And I'm seeing that Andy's here. What's up, Andy? Young Andy. Um, he should call in, but I don't think he will. Sadly. You still talk to Wolfman and them? No. I haven't oh. talked to those people in a while. I still fuck with Wolfman. I've been too busy being top talent. <laughs> well, about fucking time, you hear The prick. number is 760-332-8920, and yes, you should call in Andy. Waiting on Andy. Yeah. Andy Kaufman. We were just talking about you. Yeah. You should call Andy's, him. He's a fun guy to talk to. I want to watch, um, they're putting out like a little docu, documentary about all the behind the scenes with Jim Carrey when he was going through the movie or making that movie as Andy Kaufman. I forget the name of Man it. Man on the Moon. Man on the Moon. Great film. Fucking A. Andy Kaufman was the shit. A lot of people Andy. hated him, by the way. Andy Kaufman, of course. Yeah, a lot of comedians to to this day actually think he stinks. Oh, really? Well, fuck them. I love how he pushed the fucking envelope. He was a fucking, he was more than just a comedian. I like Tony Clifton better. Tony Clifton? Yeah. Which one was that? The Lounge Singer. What the fuck are you talking about? Andy Kaufman. Oh, yeah, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah Tony Clifton. Yep, and you said Tony Clifton come out on the other side, yeah. Yeah, it's good shit. Fuck yeah. Love that. I was like, why do I recognize that name? Because you know who he is. Motherfucking right. And by the yeah. way, I believe this is Andy calling in. I'm not quite sure. Let's pick up the line. Caller, you are live on the air. What's going on? You called me up, so I'm calling in. Oh, shit. How you doing, Andy? What's going on, guys? Doing all right, man. Could be better, but doing all right. Could be better. Let's get into that. What's what's up with you, Andy? How are you? No, let's not get into that, man. Let's um, get into that because you sound sad. Uh, yeah, I've just been uh, unemployed, and uh, I talked about on the show before I haven't had a vacation in seven years, so I uh, took a break, but now I'm having a hard time finding a job because I took a break. Now you're hustling. Yeah. I hear you. Tough times for one Andy. That's okay. That happens to all of us. Fucking A. Yeah, you'll be all right. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, no, the cool thing is I was listening in. I just got home. Um, you, you mentioned Wolfman and then uh, Daniel. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, man, you, you, like, you're, you're doing way better than whatever bullshit he's playing at this point. Oh, know? really? I would have never noticed. 
Well, I, I, I'm saying, I'm just saying, just I haven't heard his show, but again, that's why I haven't heard his show. So. Well, that's not surprising. Yeah. yeah what I'm saying is that when you guys were together, like I always got pissed off because he was always the stupid one. <laughs> like he was never serious on the show. I can remember uh, he would get high and start talking. I mean, are we? I mean, are we ever it. serious though? Mm-mm. Are we ever serious though? Yuck is. No, but, no what I'm saying was between you and him, like the demographic of the show, what you're trying to do. He was just a clutch, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, it didn't work. It, it, it didn't work. That's why I'm doing the show alone. Yeah, yeah. there was so much contrast between you two. And yeah. it was easily fucking. Not even up. that. It's like um, when he would talk to his host. Michael would be the cool one, and then uh, Daniel would be the stupid one. But like he took it borderline, like it's like, why are you still talking? Like let them talk, kind of thing. Well, you can't cure autism. <laughs> <laughs> CBD oil. Oh my god. Diabetes. Yeah. I don't think that's gonna work. Right. It's, it's too. It's too much on the spectrum. Okay. Hey, um. So again, uh, I mentioned it before, but um, the Mad Marshman has to tell me what kind of tinfoil <laughs> he uses. Like what kind of tinfoil? I think he got. I think he got Reynolds. Really... Is it Springfield? Is it his own thing? Like, I think he got I really. Like, what is it? I think he got really pissed off the last time he was here. I remember when I talked to him though. That's when I brought it up, and he got pissed off at me bringing that up. Yeah, know? he's he's a very passionate individual. To say the least. Yeah, poor yeah. guy. There's some trauma. Hey, there. so did you, did you guys watch the uh, that Netflix documentary with the alien guy, the one that uh, had like logs of shit? I forget his name, but they they brought it out this year. The what? Uh, it had a Netflix documentary about this guy that had logs of him, you know, uh, alien shit. It's on Netflix. Mm, I, I don't have logs. I don't have Netflix, by the way. Ah, uh, okay. I'm not well, that I'll much of a. My, uh, I'm not password. that. I'm not that much of a hipster like you, Andy. Just I don't have cable, so I have to get Netflix. I hear you. So it's on Netflix, and it's about UFOs, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. This guy literally kept logs, like like crazy ass logs, like notebooks of it, and they made a documentary out of it. I'm looking into it right now. Um, you're, not, you're, that, not, um, you're not talking about right? Stan Romanek, are you? That sounds about right. Oh boy, you know I. I is he fake? Is I talked to um, I talked to his wife a couple times uh, to bring him onto the program, but I don't think that's going to happen since he is facing jail time, I believe. Oh yeah, I heard uh, uh, charged with pedophile or something, some shit like that. Correct. They found uh, kitty okay. porn on his computer. Yeah. Well, that's how they get you. That's what they that's what they say. And it's so not possible. Is he fake or Well, you know, I don't know. I don't buy the whole alien in the window thing at all. Oh no, I know that one. Yeah, that that shit is just that shit's retarded. Yeah. Yeah, I don't believe that shit. Good stories, I'm saying. And you think it's it's um it is Stan Romanek though, right? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. Was it called Extraordinary? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Cool cool. But um Shit, man. Uh, yeah, it's actually uh, 40 degrees out here now. It's cold. 40 degrees it's where? Uh, in Atlanta. Where was that? Atlanta. Oh, you're, yeah, Atlanta. That's where you're still at. I forgot. Yeah. You're still repping Atlanta. Yeah. Eh, I like it, though, because it's forested out here. Are you going to come back to California? Uh, Let's get to the issue here. Yeah, I probably will. If I can find a job in Dukes, I will probably move back. Actually, not probably, I will move back. Yeah, you should move back. California yeah. is not the same. I miss it, man. I miss it. is the place to be. It's expensive, though. That is true, but it's a great place well, to except be. Except for your thing, but I'm talking about Southern California. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Anywhere out here is good, so, though. So, quick question. Um, Go so, ahead. Um, I haven't heard, uh, what's his name, uh, 
guy that always uh, would call into your show that was fucked up on Bud Lights was his name Tommy. Oh, that Tommy. idiot. Yeah, we we have a couple of uh, drunks out there. Sure. Uh, yeah, I used to like him. Like, he, he used to sing when he would call into your show. Drunk as fuck, he would sing some bullshit. Yeah, that was fun, but that gets old. Yeah. It doesn't really contribute anything, really. So, mm. can't really have that. I told uh, Max to call in. Where is Max? When he's unfucking some bitches right now. <laughs> he's, in a, he's in a parking lot of some fast food place. What are you talking about? Yeah. No, that's what he does. He drives Lyft and gets Wendy's and fucks some chicks. Sounds like a lucrative plan. I mean, shouldn't we all be so lucky? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a that's that's having skin in the game. There you go. Right, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, um, skin in the game. Skin so in the game. Question though, um, what the fuck is up with all these people talking about flat Earth now? Like, I know it's a movement oh, now, but it's like it, it pisses oh, me off. Oh boy, like, what's wrong with you people? Oh boy, flat Earth. That's yeah. awful. <laughs> Yeah, and there was a guy that uh, rode a plane with a fucking uh, a level saying, like, oh, this is not flat Earth because it's a level. And it's like, dude, that's how you fly a plane. You got to be level parallel to the Earth. <laughs> yeah. Flat Earth. You've seen that YouTube video, right? Where the guy on, fucking Andy, you know it's supposed to be dipping all the time. That's why right? it's full there. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing to have that conversation. Embarrassing to be part of that population. That, that too, yeah. that too. You know, yeah. um, if you would have saw my face when I did that interview with uh, Mark Sargent, who is one of the biggest uh, flat earth proponents out there, uh, I was cringing and, uh, you know, I had my hand across my forehead a couple times. That's one of the did reasons. He, uh, that's he one of the, the reasons. Right. It, it's one of the reasons why you don't see me on, on video. Yeah, I'll be making these awful expressions every couple of seconds, so it, yeah, it would, like what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, it would take away from the magic. Yeah, but I, I, I still don't get it. I mean, I know people believe in that shit, but it's just stupid. I don't know how you could believe that. You have to be fucking retarded to believe that's that the Earth I'm is saying. flat. And that's why I mentioned like I'm sad that we're part of that population. It really like, is. It, it really is. I wish we like, could take we those people off like that, you know, to yeah. an island and just off them. No, just uh, put them in uh, lepers on it for everyone that lives up with leprosy. That'd be fun. You know, yeah, that pisses me off. Like, it's just, what? I just, it, oh, man, I want to slap them in the face and be like, get the fuck out of here. You know, they have flat earth conventions. Fuck that, dude. Oh, my Might God. Well, you know what? If they have that, they should put them with the first eye convention. Sometimes I, sometimes I like to think, why couldn't, why couldn't they have a convention in, in Las Vegas a couple of days back? Too far. <laughs> Too far, but I get that. Yes. I guess that, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. That's awful. So good question, Daniel. What is uh what is your uh fascination with right now? Like what kind of paranormal stuff are you looking into right now? Is that a question for me? I thought he called you Daniel. That's what I thought. I'm like, wait, I'm Daniel now? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, uh Michael. Have, Sorry, have you I been don't... drinking, Andy? <laughs> I'm actually uh, I just woke up in coffee, yeah. See, it's because um, you're sober. Yeah. Oh no, Andy. You know the rules, Andy. You, you got to be a little intoxicated to call in. Really? But you never do that. I don't do what? Drink on the show. How do you know? You just started it, but you rarely do that. How do you know if I just just started doing that? There's do things drink? I do I don't tell you. Uh, there's things funny. I there's things I do during the show I don't tell any of you. So I wouldn't go that far. All right, well, <laughs> well, I felt pod. Apologize, but again, uh, what are you into right now as far as paranormal stuff? <laughs> Nothing. 
Really? I'm not into it right now. It, it fucking happens. Right. It happens to me every now and then. So I'm not, I'm not really into it, to be honest with you. It's not something I, I want to talk about. You know, it's not, it's not one of those subjects where I feel like talking uh, to different guests uh, about because it, it, it's, you know, it just, it happens every now and then to me. So it's just like, oh boy, not this again. Let's uh, switch it then. Um, is our bell ever con- gonna back on air? No, no, he's he's over. He's uh, as irrelevant as can be now. So it's over. Okay. Now, am yeah, I done. wrong in saying that he got out of it after um, he had a soccer shoot up his home? No, uh, what happened? Never happened. Never happened. He was lying about that. Fabrications to keep interest in a in a show going when he pulled the. Uh, he pulled a fast one on his listeners, really. Oh, shit. That's kind of fucked up, man. Well, he introduced another host, and that's... You know, you're doing your home office thing and doing a radio show, and then tell everyone that you're getting shot up. Yeah, that's, that's a... You can't that was a blatant lie. That never happened. Holy shit. See, I didn't know that. No, I, I, don't, something that. I don't believe that shit for a second, so that's that's just dumb. Hey, brother. Hey, man. I got to dip out of here. I got to go scrub the floor and get ready for my son's birthday party tomorrow. Yeah, you got to be responsible. I have to be responsible. Yeah, you got to be responsible. Cakes. I got to be a good father yeah. and make my 15-year-old a boob cake. Can't be a deadbeat dad. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. Michael. All right, buddy. Yeah, thanks for being here. Fucking A, man. I love you, partner. I'll talk to you soon. All right, dude. Take care. Hey, good to meet you, Andy. Penis, brother. I think Andy died. I think so. I think he's dead. Yeah, Andy already Andy took off. Well, that was fun. Uh, it was nice talking to Andy, even though he, I don't know if he was just waking up, like he said, or if he was high, I'm not sure. Either way, it was fun, and I do thank him for being a part of the program, and of course, I thank Yuck Nasty for being a part of the program, and Mr. John Lear, and Mr. Jim Fetzer. That was a fun time. I, I did enjoy, I did enjoy that interview. It's too bad that Peter Robbins couldn't join me here tonight. We had a little bit of a time schedule conflict here. We both read the wrong times. He thought I I said one thing. I thought he said another. These sort of things happen. A little bit of a miscommunication. But regardless, I'll bring him back on soon. And I do want to thank all of you for listening to the program. It was a little difficult to do since I'm kind of under the weather here, but I had to power through. And I'm sure glad I did. It's been fun. And if you're listening to this on a replay, keep in mind, you can listen every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, live on the TuneIn radio app. If you enjoyed this program and want to help keep the program expanding, go to michaeldeacon.com and click that donate button. This program completely depends on its listeners. That means you sitting there. Be a friend and share the show. I'll be back very soon. I'll be joined by Mr. Robert David Steele on Tuesday, I believe, at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Live right here. Same bat channel. Not the same bat time, though. 1 p.m. That's 4 p.m. Eastern Time with Mr. Robert David Steele. I hope you do listen to that. That's going to be a fun one. Always fun when I talk to Mr. Steele. Once again, I do thank you for listening. I'm Michael Deacon. And with that said... The world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. Sherry. Right in the hardest part now. I'm not that way. I'm a Christian. I got a bad yeah. school.
I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like, if you can just see it, it's clear. <laughs> How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holden right now. It's crazy. I had no idea this shit existed before 726. Oh, Grammy. I'm not a Grammy. I'm going to keep it real. A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool topics. You know, I, yeah, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity. Speaking of that, you're really here. Yeah, Mr. Rusev. That's shit. I like that, man. It's the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the butt tender, you say, you like, I'm going to your smoke. I'm going You were you were a headline guy, I'm and then a headline guy. You know what I you, mean. For a while, you popped out. Now you're coming back. For I a while, back. for a while, it's you were actually you, you, know were running, I mean? you were running a gym. Tell us about that. Running a gym. Weren't you Why running you a gym at some point? Supposed to be a news guy. <laughs> That's our research. You aren't. You aren't. Ridiculous. I come on CNN, and the guy don't even know what he's talking about. Go ahead. You at no point were you running a gym? Um, no, no, running a gym. What? No, you, you need to work time out. Jesus fucking Christ with these guys. I come on the news for two seconds and, and you want to say, every All time right. I do an interview, a guy wants to open his fucking mouth. Can't All right, even Andrew. Do a little thank you very much. Here. We thought that you, you could know, hold go back. fuck yourself. You know what? All I'm right. Fuck the whole fucking network. We'll go back to uh, talking about Art Carney.